from dramatic and harder-edged social dramas and outstanding action, we jump past nominate choice Shaw Brothers comedy Three Stooges Go Undercover due to the fact that it's not available. And we jump to the movie you may know a lot of, but not the director, which is the point of this series. And it's therefore the time to go the scholar route with me, Kenneth Wilson, with Tom Kent Williams, with David Harris on the director's series on the podcast on Fire Network. And featured topic in tonight's uh, scholar discussion where we sip brandy and have our smoking jackets on is the following. And I'll, I'll set the tone right off the bat. It's the fucking Seven of Curse time! Yeah! So, welcome to the director series part 3 and uh, quite a growing, growing series on the Podcast on Fire network. It seems like we're, we're breezing through the episodes one by one, movies by m- one by one in terms of the movies. And uh, it's been good fun. Or what do you say, guys? What do you think, David? Yes, um, it's been, uh, been a bluff. And, uh, and of course, Tom, you're on for the second, second time and now the veteran, of course, of this series. So... Um, Still looking forward to to it, to exploring more of this very versatile filmography we're dealing with here. Oh, definitely. It just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it doesn't feel similar. It's not like we are doing oh. a kung fu director who's uh, you know ten similarly looking and feeling uh, martial arts movies. Uh, uh, we're diversity, dealing... diversity. Yeah, exactly. And 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 we don't need to skip movies. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, in, in that regard, we had to, but uh, we don't feel like skipping movies for Nam Night Joy because uh, every movie is rather cool. Mm. And uh, we come to The Seventh Curse, which is uh, a long side story of Ricky, I guess, the movie that is quoted um, as, you know, from the director of uh, The Seventh Curse. Here comes the story of Ricky, or vice versa. Mm. Uh, which is not a bad thing. You, you know, uh, having two movies to your sort of uh, rumor. Maybe not your name. Again, the intent of this series, we're going to bring out the name Nam, Nam Night Choi. But uh, to have, you know, a rumor of the guy who did those two crazy movies, you know, I'd, 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 I'd kill for that rumor, you know. And uh, it's no shame in that. So it's the seventh curse time, and it's on the Podcast on Fire Network, the director series, located at podcastonfire.com. We have the message forum where we're all located, podcastonfire.com forward slash forum. The members only slash bonus episode content is uh, on the forum and in the future will be displayed on the website as well in the form of bonus episodes when we do that. Possibly when we reach Vampire Season on uh, the Yankee Show Podcast on Fire, we'll do a bonus episode with uh, one of the reviews we decided not to have in the main show. So that'll be fun. We're also on Facebook in two forms, uh, facebook.com POF Network, that's our page. We also created uh, one of those uh, groups that all the kids apparently use nowadays. So, uh, so Grandpa Ken uh, came, came up with the idea of actually creating a group for Podcast on Fire Network. Uh, and uh, probably next week, uh, the trend is uh, back to a page again. So, so everybody will clear the group and then to the page and the next week and so on and so on and so on. But, uh, but we have a group, just search Podcast on Fire Network and uh, you're all invited. 
to to have fun, have a have a wild uh, wild chat about wild movies or, or not. Just uh, just come in, relax, smoking jackets or not, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, I do my writing on SoGoodReviews.com. I do my video reviewing on SleazyKVideo.com. Your uh, unpredictable mix of uh, IFD, Filmark, uh, Ninjas, uh, Taiwan Black Movies, Hong Kong Old School, and Taiwan Horror, and just in general cool Hong Kong and Taiwan movies uh, that I feel like uh, should get a spotlight. They're all available on those two sites. And I'm also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash SoGoodReviews. Subscribe to our iTunes feed. You can click that in this very post. And you can also listen to us on the go with uh, the application Stitcher available on stitcher.com or downloadable via your smartphones, uh, respective uh, iStores, app stores, it's called. (laughs) And uh, it's all good fun. Uh, Tell us about what's going on with Hong Kong Gig Guide. At this point, we're like mid-January, so make it uh, sort of uh, current, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, the... uh the next big thing up is uh, Saturday week. It's a CD release show from a band called King Lai Chi, who are pretty much responsible uh, indirectly for me doing what I do with the Hong Kong Good Guide. Right. Um, yep, yeah, it's their first uh, new CD in some while, and they're, you know it's uh, they're releasing it Saturday week and uh, playing the show at the same time. So that'd be fun. I only wish I could be there. Um, I mean, you can find the Hong Kong Good Guide on Facebook. Just Search Hong Kong Gig Guide, and uh, you can find uh, King Lai Chi at www.kinglaichi.com. Ah, oh, additional plug. We didn't agree yeah, on that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, And I'm a bit silly because uh, this episode comes out in like uh, uh, two or four weeks, but regardless, that CD will be out there for weeks. Yeah. You know, so yeah. uh, so we'll certainly link to that. And uh, we of course got Tom's uh, movie reviews on vcinemashow.com. So if you haven't checked that out, you can. We have a link in the show post. Uh, Bodyguards and Assassins. Uh, what else Marvel reviews you did? We got Connected on there. We've got Ip Man reviews. And coming up hopefully soon, we've got Enter the Phoenix review, which right is uh, near completion. So we'll be on the lookout for that soon. Right on. And... Uh, you know, Seven Curse has appeared on the site before in the form of a, an audio commentary that uh, good old Stu, Master Stu, the creator of the podcast on Fire Network, did with his friends and uh, recorded it. And it was kind of a fun experience. Not easy, though, to have so many, for me, Scotsmen in one room and trying to <laughs> decipher accents. But that's obviously my problem and not not their problem. It was just uh, good to hear people uh, have a laugh at a movie uh, that they like and uh, it was just a wee experiment as uh, Stu put it and I'm, I'm glad to have it on the site and uh, and I also got the blessing from him to do a an episode on the movie as well you know. So at, uh, so there we are and uh, you can check out the 7th Curse commentary as well as on, on the site and on YouTube. So to the 7th Curse. Who needs background on this when you can get started off with this quote from the Rare Cult Films uh, online blog? We'll link to that as well. So, quote, This one is an essential staple in the totally insane, weird as hell cult flicks from Hong Kong in the vein of Indiana Jones and Evil Dead 2. Yep, it's similar to both of those classic films, except The Seventh Curse has Kung Fu Fighting Skeletons, Rocket Launchers, Outrageous Gore, a very naked Choi Sao Lai, and flying baby worm monsters, which obviously makes it way better than any of its influences. End quote. What a guy! Yeah. <laughs> but what a great quote. What's a, what, what a great thing to write. You know that, that that's a proper movie fan in my book. You know, knowing exactly what's going on. And uh, 
Wow. But uh, with just a background on the movie, this was Wong Jing's first producing gig. He had done movies at Shaw Bros, but this was his first producing gig alongside Cha Chua Lam. And he had directed during the time when Nam Night Choi, the subject of this series, was still working at Shaw Brothers early 80s. So it's possibly they struck up a, a relationship. Well, they obviously did because Nam was the cinematographer on Wong Jing's Prince Charming and the Flying Mr. B, starring Kenny B, I believe. So <laughs> that's a great, that's a suitable vehicle. I think it's a superhero movie of some kind. And, and I wouldn't mind seeing the Flying, uh, the flying Mr. B because I like Kenny B. I think it's funny. And when you and say Kenny B, you don't mean you, Ken. Just clear that up with the, with, with the listeners. <laughs> I starred in a Hong Kong Ken movie when I was Ken six <laughs> years old. <laughs> that's, that's the more famous and rightly more famous uh, singer and actor, Kenny B. Thanks, thanks for clearing that up. Were you worried? <laughs> oh, oh my god, he's gone delusional. He, think he, he thinks he was in a Hong Kong movie. <laughs> and uh, Wong Jing starred the same year as The Seven of Curse was released in Nam Nai Choi's The Ghost Snatchers. So they had a relationship going on there and they felt like they could go into business together, I guess, as um, Wong Jing uh, got his first producing gig off the ground. And the movie is, is peppered with exactly what the above quote said, you know, but also a slew of cameos ranging from uh, former Shaw Brothers director and police story villain uh, Cho Yun or Chu Yam, uh, director of uh, Killer Clans, Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan, uh, movies like that. Wong Jing himself is in it, he's in the scene with uh, Cho Yun. Johnny Wang, Kara Hoi, Derek Yi, Sibel Hu, who has more of an extended cameo. And Wong Jing also had the good taste to include Miss Asia contestants such as Elsie Chan and Nina Lee as female companions to uh, the main characters in, in the very, very first scene. And uh, But Wong Jing doesn't turn it into a Wong Jing party of personal indulgence, though, which is uh, something that could happen later on in his career, uh, especially when he decided to star in movies himself. You know, I'm the producer. I can star against uh, that 30-year-old, uh, uh, that woman that is 30 years old, uh, 30 years younger than me. But, uh, you know, you know, it's Wong Jing, whatever. He, he's good fun. He can be hated and also he, he should be loved uh, quite a bit, and especially for this movie, to have this movie on his resume. But it's more, in my opinion, Nam Nai Choi's flying baby. Oh, see we did that. He made a funny. <laughs> and he wrote it in advance. It's not like I came up with that uh, just in a moment. I'm not that clever. I'm, I'm, I'm not Stu in that regard. Stu is more shot. Uh, but uh, it's definitely his baby, I think, uh, rather than Wong Jing's, where Nam achieves new highs as a genre director. And obviously has a desire and must have a love for special effects spectacle. It shines through in this, to put it mildly, energetic piece. Mm. That's all I can come up with, uh, rather than that great quote. It's energetic. You know, com and Podcast on Fire Network. Energy. <laughs> Uh, I always dislike those kind of quotes that you see on uh, posters and stuff where it actually is so much out of context that it might have been from a, from a bad review. You know, oh. It might have been, uh, the quote could be outrageous, <laughs> which is in fact could be from a bad review. I never liked that, so whatever. You put that on a splat effect though and it's, uh, it means good. It's good to go. Definitely. I think what I, I have the UK VHS in 
my room here and uh, what did it say i'm gonna look for that now because i uh, it's like a show stopping midnight movie i think it says on the uk vhs yeah, or the seven really. of nice which is, uh, you know, uh, perfectly suitable uh, quote. It was MIA that released, uh, although a cut version in the UK, but uh, not a badly cut version. But moving on, before we talk some crew, I'm going to talk some uh, some uh, quite uh, big uh, crew and uh, or, or rather cast. We're not going to go through a crew at all, actually. Uh, who supporting actor Chayan Fat is actually playing in this movie is the character of Wisely. Who's uh, the adventurer wisely? Who's creator Nai Fong, aka Ni Kuang, appears in the opening and the closing of the movie. He's the guy who uh, sitting with the brandy with Nina Lee by his side and uh, talks about his adventures. So it seems like he he is uh, sort of uh, playing himself in the opening here. And uh, he was a novelist and screenwriter. Nai Fong reportedly had over 400 film scripts uh, done in in his name. You know, to to this day. And nice career at Shaw Brothers is the most prolific one. As uh, there rarely comes along a movie that has him got his name on it. Yeah, uh, although it was always credited as Ni Kuang, and rarely Nai Fong. I've never seen it as that. So you have movies like One of Swordsmen, Vengeance, The Water Margin, Shaolin Martial Arts, which was all for legendary director Chiang Che. But also you have The Magic Blade, Web of Death, Clans of Intrigue, all written for director Cho Yun, who again appears in a cameo in this movie. And even Chan Kwan Tai's uh, indie classic, The Iron Monkey, also uh, as, uh, features a script by uh, Ni uh, Kwang. Maybe I saw recently, and I know Mike Banner spoke very highly of The Iron Monkey, and it deserves all the good rep it has. It's a really, really cool movie, uh, The Iron Monkey. Have you guys seen that old Iron Monkey? Not the Donnie Yen Iron Monkey, of course, but... Uh, yeah, I used, I used nope. to have, the, uh, have that one on the VHS, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, something I'm keen to revisit, I really dug it though. But uh, Nai Fong is probably most famous for creating what essentially is, to, to make it easy, to draw easy comparisons, is like the Chinese equivalent of an Indiana Jones type of character, wisely. Um, the character is said to have been born into a wealthy and big family and moved to Hong Kong eventually to marry the daughter of the head of an underground society. And this is possibly, I'm not very familiar with the book or at all, books at all actually. This is possibly the character of Bai Su that uh, he marries, as mentioned on uh, Wikipedia. Sort of a recurring character. His various adventures have meant uh, visits to the Earth's core, heaven, hell, the future, and uh, alien planets. So, you know, extraordinary stories. But despite that, from what you can determine through, through those various stories is that they are set in a time frame of like the 1960s to the 2000s. So it almost seemed like almost seemed like if you wrote the book in the 70s, I guess it's still kind of set it in the 70s, despite featuring outrageous and extraordinary stories. And Nifong authored 136 out of the 145 Wisely stories, which I, I'm not sure is an up-to-date uh, number, but uh, as a matter of fact, he, uh, it appears he doesn't author them uh, anymore. And I, I hope it's alive, by the way. I never checked that. <laughs> but uh, re regardless, 136 to his name, that's rather impressive. And uh, in film, you have seen the character in The Legend of Wisely, played by Sam Hoy. Great little film. It's a pretty great little film, directed yeah. by Teddy Robin Kwan, I believe, who's yep. a co-star in the movie. Uh, pretty big movie too, a uh, big budget movie with um, Sam Hoy and Joy Wong and Teddy Robin Kwan and probably a whole host of cameras. I think it was like a Cinema City production, uh, mid-86, 87, yeah. or yeah. DMB possibly, but regardless, I, I did like that. 
the character is also in Namnai Choice for Cat, uh, Namnai Choice very last movie, that uh, will be the last movie of uh, this series, obviously, in 1992, where it's the actor Wisely playing Wisely. And I, you know, fuck you guys, that's still funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> wisely plays Wisely. Because I, I like to pronounce, you know, not Wisely, because I, I see it as Wisely. Play Wisely. Still funny. <laughs> five minutes later guys it's still funny <laughs> cut conversations that's called cool, you know uh chin kalok still's favorite played him in bury me high a very big budget movie i'm so fucking pissed it's not available in its original dolby surround recording they went to town with that one and that big movie really deserved the, the expanded sound that Dolby Surround could offer. That was very rare in Hong Kong to do at that time. And even way into the 90s, uh, it was very rare. So, But that's not even on any Laserdisc version of the film, which is a, a real a real shame. Uh, Peter Powell shot that movie too. It looks absolutely smashing and big. And Yun Wah uh, plays a Yun Wah in that movie. But uh, who doesn't like Yun Wah playing Yun Wah? You know, big, big and evil. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Uh, and finally, in a more recent example, in the Wesley's Mysterious File, it's a Cyborg Andy Lau playing uh, Wisely. It's a movie I haven't seen, actually. Uh, have you guys seen the Wesley's Mysterious File? I haven't. No. Yeah, I've I've read a few uh, reviews that are not entirely complimentary. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a Wong Jing production directed by Andrew Lau, a uh, special oh. effects spectacle, and um, I, I've not had any urge to see it. But uh, probably the trailer does look good, but when you see the movie, it's uh, you know you realize the trailer cuts all the good bits together. So I don't know. Maybe we'll pick up a VCD sometime just for the hell of it when I feel like it, you know. And uh, this many years down the line after its release, I. Uh, I don't know. I probably feel like it now. Where's the VCD? Ooh, 10 Hong Kong dollars on DDD House. I'll buy that. <laughs> Andy Lau can save most films as well. And finally, a few TV series, TV series rather, have also featured the character, including The New Adventures of Wisely and The W Files, which I'm sure came out after certain X-Files, uh, it feels like it, where Michael Tao and Galen Lowe essayed the character, respectively. Uh, Michael Tao, I'm only familiar with via some Billy Tang movies like Devil Touch. He, uh, he's never been like a great big movie star, but he was in a movie that is great based on a title only, Ungrateful Tink. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what it means either. It's a triad movie with him and Anthony Wong. Yeah. And yeah. I, I got that VCD based on that uh, yes. title only. Even if it had been Ungrateful Tank, that would still be funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what the hell they were aiming for with that English title. <laughs> Do you guys have any theories about that? No, yeah, I think. It's a bit of a cheapie, yeah, I think. Uh, it's got a low budget. Even mm. for, it's a low budget of low budget. For, uh, yeah, end of night is that shit mm, yeah, in Hong Kong yeah. cinema. So, but uh, certain names are funny and certain titles are funny and they deserve to be watched at least once based on that. But you you, you find yourself watching the VCD cover a lot more. Than... <laughs> it says ungrateful. <laughs> So you're not watching the movie? No! <laughs> I'm not going to. That's right up there with the Fleur Tongue Scholar. Yeah, oh, that's, that's excellent. <laughs> that's, uh, if, you had said, if you'd said Flirting Scholar, I would be like, what movie? <laughs> you know, fl Flirting Scholar with, Chow, with Stephen Chow. What movie? <laughs> Fleur Tongue. Oh! <laughs> is, that like, is that like Tiger on the Beacon? Yes. <laughs> I have my principles. <laughs> 
never don't you forget it or you're fired <laughs> uh, okay let's talk about some cast and we're going to talk about uh, among other things two of the biggest names in hong kong cinema and another thing i find funny is that we talk about we're going to talk about them extensively for this movie mm. not their major classics well, in my opinion, this is the, one of the major classics, but not the expected movies. Uh, this discussion isn't going to be uh, tied to that. And therefore, we're going to talk about uh, among other people, Chai Fat and Maggie Jung. And, uh, yeah, who? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, so, some, some, some unknown deadbeats in Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> so, David is here to tell us who is Chai Fat, and I'm going to listen very uh, with uh, the the attention of your radar turned turned on now because I don't know anything about Chai Fat. <laughs> Me too. So tell us about Chai Fat, David. Okay, um, who hasn't heard of uh, Chai Fat? Me. Boom. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> it, it's 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 theater uh, now. We're we're playing different characters. We're playing the naive uh, podcaster. So, you know. Playing a mouse in what you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, Born in 1955 on Lama Island in Hong Kong, Yun Fat began his TV and film career in 1976. TV was where he made his name initially. You can even catch a clip of his 1983 TV smash hit, The Bund, in uh, the Sanjung comedy Golden Chicken. I, I, I think, actually, pardon me, David, I think they made a feature movie based on footage from The Bund and released yeah. that in 83. I think The Bund was uh, mainly done in the 70s. Uh, oh. But but there is a feature movie, at least two feature movies, I think, that ba- based on footage from the Boon that they cut together into plots for uh, feature movies, which I have never seen. Actually, I would love to see that because obviously, I think I don't think the Boon was ever released uh, or yet anyway uh, or subtitled on DVD. No, unfortunately, I don't think so, yeah. uh, which is a shame because nowadays they do subtitle uh, releases of uh, full TV series. In yeah. So, uh, but uh, you know, um, may, maybe someday I'd like to see that. Yeah, I mean, so many TV series there with. Um, run for a, a really high number of episodes as mm-hmm. well. You know, like dozens and you know even hundreds. Some of them. Yeah, there. uh, there's lo- there's big ass VCD sets of many of these TV series. Yeah. Obviously, again, uh, tra- if translated, it's in traditional or uh, simplified Chinese. Or yeah, yeah. Um, after a series of uh, non-performing cinema roles, he had uh, the unwelcome uh, tag of uh, box office poison attached to his name. His role in the uh, 1981 Anhoye film, the story of uh, Wu Viet, is widely considered to be the most notable of his early film work, and he's long overdue a uh, decent subtitled uh, DVD release. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a holy grail. Uh, for, for some reason, I have the Laserdisc, which was uh, subtitled, and um, uh, somewhere along the line, they struck a new print without subtitles, but didn't write up any for a DVD release with optional subtitles, unfortunately. So the DVD release in Hong Kong has no subtitles. I don't think they made any Chinese subtitle tracks either. It's just uh, it's just blank. Yeah, and there's a uh, spectacular uh, American release under the title God of Killers as yeah, well. Yeah, that was the one I... Yeah, I, I, I tried... It was subtitled, but it's... The, it's it's all in quality. All, I, I've suffered from bad quality. That wasn't even... <laughs> you know that that was that that took off in terms of uh, uh, bad quality. I mean, you, you could barely see the subtitles. I had to watch them on a computer screen because the subtitles were being cut. Or the bottom of them were being cut off on a TV. I've had DVDs like that. 
So, uh, but but I got through it. I did a review of it based on that. But, but, uh, but since then, I have uh, LaserDisc, and I'm very proud uh, proud of that. It's a, a bit of a golden, uh, a holy grail for me personally. Tony Fett's career changed out of all recognition in 1986 when he was casting John Woo's now classic gangster film A Better Tomorrow. His film success meant that he left his TV career behind and embarked on a run of 26 features in the remainder of the decade. As well as the action roles for which he's best known in the West, there were also dramas like Eddie Fong Ling Ching's Cherry Blossoms, comedies like Cho Yun's Star of a Big Man, very nice. The <laughs> 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 classic song from uh, Dire of Big Man, the musical number. Spectacular oh. Me- Mexican hat he had on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and romances like Mabel Chung's An Autumn's Tale. As the 80s became the 90s, he continued to work Ooh. with both John Woo and Ringo Lam, making his last film with both to date in 1992. Uh, the film with John Woo being, of course, hard-boiled. And the Ringo Lam film being Full Contact. Masturbate in hell. <laughs> Classic yeah, line. Yeah, yeah I'd just like to quote stuff now. By this point in his career, he's making less films per year and was beginning to attract the attention of Hollywood. He rounded out this phase of his Asian career with uh, Treasure Hunt, Return of the God of Gamblers, and his own pet project, Peace Hotel. Oh, really? Was he involved in like the production there? Uh, um... On the uh, piece, I tell he's got a um, co-writing uh, credit. I think I remember that now. Script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, uh, you know, as an aside, he, he slaps around Cecilia Yip in that movie yeah. <laughs> quite a bit. It's always like, okay, is this your pet project? Just to slap the <laughs> shit out of Cecilia Yip. Okay, fair enough. Are you leaving Hong Kong now? You can do whatever you want, apparently. <laughs> So, his, there you go. His next three films, uh, all Hollywood productions, no doubt earned him uh, some good money, but failed to really capture the public's imagination to any great degree. Ironically, his next film, Return to Chinese Language Cinema with Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, gave him a le- legitimate international smash hit, taking over 200 million US dollars at the box office. Amazing, isn't it, guys, that that did what it did? Uh, especially now that we can look back on it. I mean, they, you know, all so, sort of all it takes, so, so to say, I, I know it takes a whole lot of manpower and money, you know, belief and promotion. And then you can get American audiences to sit through uh, subtitled movies. And I'm not saying that because I think American audiences are stupid. Rather, on the contrary, the studios think they're stupid. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. uh, but but they had belief in that, and uh, man, the, the quality in the movie was uh, something else too. So. Yeah, I, I saw that the first time I ever went to to Hong Kong. It's the <laughs> first first film I ever saw in a Hong Kong cinema. Really? It's Crouching Dog and Dragon. Yeah. Wow. wow. And that was and that was some while before it made it to the UK. So like a, like a year later, I think, right, I think okay. we got it. It was like 2001, maybe. But uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's... Was it a uh, sort of um, uh, uh, a what? Uh, how were the audience? I guess my question is: Was it a quiet experience, or did they uh, were they into it? Oh yeah, it was, you know, it's quite. It's one of those sort of uh, crowds where they sort of sit, you know, sitting there watching and kind of studying, you know, studying it almost. Right. Yeah, you know, quite sort of, you know, quite uh, reverent, quite reverent. They're just w- watching it and you know, taking it in. Cool. So. That was a that was a that was a real experience. Um, the rest of the decade for for Chang Fat was a mix of 
Hollywood misfires and roles in film aimed at the mainland market. Um, 2012, we'll see him line up against uh, Donnie Yen in a big budget version of The Monkey King. Really? Yeah. If I could, uh, who's he going to play? Do we know that? Oh, um, I'd have to P- look P- that one up. Piggy? Play Piggy? <laughs> I would pay money to see that. <laughs> ah, fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen stills of Donnie. I think he's uh, plays Monkey King. Um, uh, if I'm thinking of the uh, uh, right movie, I see Donnie with the golden staff and what have you. So I, I assume he's the Monkey King. But I would love to see Chang Fat play Piggy. Yeah, I think they're um, aiming for that to be a summer release in the, in China this year. If I right. But if he's part of that, you know, a trio of characters, uh, I I would bet they would have him play the the monk instead. But uh, you never know. You never know how they're going to structure a Monkey King movie. It's not given that it's going to, uh, you know, feature all the characters and do exactly what all the other other movies did. You know, so because I think that story is very versatile. You can do a lot with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's playing the Jade Emperor. All right. Okay. None yeah. of them done. <laughs> it's got um, it's a it's a bit of a cast in there. They got Donnie, Chen Fat, Fancy Wong, uh, Aaron Kwok, Kelly Chen. Oh, Aaron Kwok as Piggy is that? <laughs> I would pay money to see that. <laughs> got <a thing>. yeah. <laughs> uh, What are you doing? Why do you have golf pants on? And uh... <laughs> <laughs> they got Aaron Kwok down as the uh, Bull Demon King. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's on. And, and, and no piggy listed in the cast as such. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I didn't didn't see that one there. Well, fuck that. Then. Ken, enough with the piggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Can Maggie Chung play piggy? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's all right. Release in summer, and there's okay. a, a mainland production that's uh, set in the Three Kingdoms period of Chinese history. That has the English working title, Broken Swallow Terrace. Um, a reunion with uh, John Wu is still longed for by fans the world over, although it very much remains to be seen if that will ever occur, given the off-screen <coughs> off uh, artistic saga that occurred over Redcliffe. And I don't know actually what you're talking about. Did they clash? Uh, yeah, he was due to play the character that was eventually played in the film by uh, Tony Lung Chu Wai. Uh-huh. He, he, and, the, and there was uh, supposedly scheduling conflicts and um, rumors of uh, money issues, uh, you know, perks, you know, things of that nature, you know, uh, preparation time, you know, because uh, it was built in, uh, it's all in Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they, he, he ended up dropping out and you know it's, it's well, it doesn't sound like a major conflict just that mm. didn't work out at that time and but uh it's, it's been you know there's not been uh any word of anything any projects together since then so you know it, it, what was it during this time perhaps uh, i don't know the timeline now but uh it would be funny if he actually went on to make dragon ball instead <laughs> you know if it was during that time but i don't know the timeline it, it, it kind of it was actually it was in and around that time it's you know two three years ago Hmm. So it's yeah. It's kind <laughs> oh of fuck that. your project! I'm going to America yeah. <laughs> making Dragon Ball. It's, it's that kind of uh, it's that kind of ballpark mm-hmm. time-wise, I think. Right. I don't know. Who really knows the kind of the, the truth of what really went on? Yeah, yeah. It's just a disappointing that it never happened. It would have been yeah. 
Uh, but 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 it relatively turned out uh, well. Though I haven't seen mm. it, but I, I obviously heard you know uh, r- rumors that even fans of movies of that kind, for, for instance, I talked to King Who about it. Uh, he said he's not like the major you know uh, mainland uh, big budget epic kind of guy, you know. Uh, but he he dug Redcliffe. Yeah, a lot. me uh, me neither. But it's um, the UK Blu-ray that they, you know they show it like it was. Uh, you, you can get the sort of edited version and get the full, you know, it's about f- nearly five hours, I think. That, you know, the okay. two separate movies, you know, one on each disc, and it's, uh, good. it's really you good. Ha- you have, you have it looks options. fantastic as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably give it a go. It's just uh, I'm not. It, it, it's not stuff that's on my radar, to be honest. If I'm mm. not going to uh, review it at all, because uh, I don't keep a list and stuff like that. Uh, so you know, eventually. So Tom, your opinion on Chai Fat? He's one of my favorite actors of all time. Uh, you know, let alone Hong Kong actors. Um, yeah, I just think his, his, his body of work is just you know tremendous. And along with like Jackie Chan, I think he's he's the one person a lot of people kind of get into when the first exposed to Hong Kong cinema um, yeah just looking through his film great films and just so many you know, my favourite films of all time mm. See Fire Bear Tomorrow you know Killer it's just, yeah just a, an amazing an amazing body of work to be honest and, and you, the UK, were always uh, this I know because I bought a lot of tapes from the UK. Uh, you, you're always lucky to have uh, quite a quite a bit of Chai Fat on on the he, video shelves uh, from MIA yeah. and Made in Hong Kong and what have you. Yeah, he, he was fully represented. I mean, even stuff like um, Rich and Famous and Tragic Hero, even stuff like made their way to the UK on DVD. Yeah, because uh, from his lesser known works. I mean, yeah, he, he was fully represented. Um, yeah. Same with DVDs as well. Yeah, the. Um the first, pretty much the first of the modern breed of Hong Kong filmmaking uh, that I ever saw was, was the, it was The Killer, and it was the original uh, Palace video mm. release of The Killer, which is sort of a, it's kind of a, like an adapted picture of the, uh, you know, the, the speedboat assassination. Yes. It's like, it's like oh, him yeah, looking through yeah. the site. Yeah, yeah. I actually really like that as a cover. It looks, uh, it looks really good, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty much the first first thing that I saw with uh, the show. In fact, have you uh, like um, you know uh, passed the Hong Kong career? Uh, what's your opinion, Tom? Of uh, what happened when he went to Hollywood? Um, I think I think to be honest, I think he went down the same kind of route as as Jackie Chan did, and I think when he was marketed in the US, I think distributors always have to kind of sell it on the fact that he's you know Chinese. Um, you know, you have to have the dragons at the beginning with the, you know, the logos and the kind of, you know, the 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 Asian sounding music and stuff like that. And I think it's he should have just been sold as you know a great actor, which he is, instead of kind of, you know, he's Chinese, he's cool. Let's mm-hmm. let's put him in a film because especially with stuff like the Corrupter, uh, which which is a decent film, but it's you know far and away, you know, from his from his stuff he did. Uh, you know, with John Woo, just the stuff he did in, in the 80s in general. Mm-hmm. Um, Having said that, I loved actually the replacement killers uh, promo that they did. Do you remember the trailer uh, trailer voice for that one? I'm not going to approximate the voice. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but uh, there, there was something along the lines like, uh, or, or, you know, around the world in cinemas, he's worshipped as, uh, as a, you know, a screen god and all of that. And now he's coming to America. And uh, yeah, it sounds lame when I'm saying it, but at that time it didn't feel like you no know, rehashed, you know, trailer scripts. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, uh, that's, 
like the corrupter, especially, and I think replacement killers as well, is it feels like kind of they're taking the best moments of his John Woo films and kind of just translated them badly to the screen. I mean, on the road, men, it merits their uh, their decent films, but I think once you've seen his older work, they just you know they're not great. Did any of the guys uh, dare uh, see uh, Dragon Ball? Uh, I tried to watch it. I lasted all about five minutes. I think. Really. I just, I, I just, I, there, I can't even remember what it was that annoyed me particularly. It's just one thing I thought, oh, I've, that's enough of that. You know. <laughs> I, I couldn't. Wow. <laughs> did you ever reach? Did you even reach a child that scene? Of the, you know. Uh, no, it was. It, no, it was just it was something else. It was just some some complete bit of silliness. I, thought, oh, I could I'm, knit. <laughs> I, I could knit a sweater instead, Robert. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah so, it, it, yeah. There's something better I can be doing, you know. So just... yeah. Did you try and watch a Dragon Ball Tom? I've no desire to watch it out again. No <laughs> desire in the slightest, to be honest. And as far as my opinion on Chai you know, what can you say that hasn't been said already? You know, it's a versatile acting legend. One of the greatest actors in Hong Kong cinema, you know, uh, that's the sort of a distinction you have to make and uh, d despite his affiliation with John Woo obviously knew way more than just blasting away baddies by the thousands. And, uh, you know, he, he liked doing most other genres other than action after a while, and uh, no wonder. And, and, uh, and it's funny to look back on his struggles as a box office, uh, you know, as box office poison, uh, and uh, the journey into turning into box office gold. And, uh, you know, th there is a tons of early shit. You know, it's not like we have major gems alongside the story of the movie yet. There's tons of shit like Pursuit, Sea Bar. Which is uh, released as uh, Godfather on Hong Kong VCD. Still shit movie. A Joy to the World. I think that was released as King of, as King of Comedy on Hong Kong DVD. Which Confusing. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, in 1980s, Story of Movie it really deserves its uh, reputation. Uh, the young actor responded uh, really to, to material, uh, which is great. And I'm sure that that was the case in the TV series as well, that there was material there. He was popular for a reason. He's yeah. not, not not just, you know, a visual suave guy, which yeah, uh, there must have been substance there in the Bund. And the uh, TV series obviously allowed, uh, allowed for a lot more substance over a longer period of time. I mean, it might have run, you know, 40 episodes per season, who knows, or per series. Uh, but uh, I never researched that, to be honest. But, you know, gritty to suave, comedic and dramatic roles would be mixed to great critical success. I almost... Uh, always enjoy that a lot that mix especially when uh, starting to buy DVDs from Hong Kong you got to examine you know the comedic side to and dramatic side to try and fact that you never really did on the VHS releases because action sold uh, rightly so on yeah. uh, on UK VHS but uh, you know Chow took took advantage of that busy Hong Kong cinema at the end of the 80s you know and treated the work as a blessing to have clearly because he did so much Maybe not so much, but he did a lot of, you know, bad movies in between his really good movies, and he worked and worked and worked. And I think he, he when he was given, a, like, an honorary doctor's degree at some university in Hong Kong, I think he spoke of the fact that, you know, you, if you have, if you can't get work, you should pursue it, you know, you, you should treat it as a blessing, because one day it might dry up. And uh, it clearly that uh, stance that... Uh, that attitude is evident in, uh, in his work, I think, and uh, I really respect that. I think Simon Yam thinks along the same lines as, uh, as Chow in that regard. 
because he has a terrific and also uneven filmography. But that uh, filmography that showcases range, a great range. Yep. And, uh, you know, f- favorites of uh, mine include An Autumn's Tale. It's probably my favorite Hong Kong movie, An Autumn's Tale. It really understated, simple romance set in New York, uh, Chai Fat and Sherry Chung. It's just wonderful. And uh, Diary of a Big Man is uh, Chai Fat Gone Wild. <laughs> really wild. You know, alongside Eighth Happiness, I guess, one is two, two of his like, most wild roles, just out of control. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's not just a very nice song. It's uh, the whole performance. And it's a wonderful comedy, Diary of a Big Man. It's actually great, uh, energetic comedy. You know, as it's steered well by Choyun. It's not mm. uh, like when they let loose Dean Sheck on screen just to do his thing. It, it's actually controlled, and, uh, uh, in my opinion. Uh, my favorite bit in that is I had the original uh, uh, Hong Kong DVD of that. There's a bit in the beginning where he's, he's showing like a, a picture of him from school, mm-hmm. and the the subtitle for it, and you know he's he's saying you know this is me at school and that, and the, the subtitle comes up rather like a jerk. <laughs> well, that's perfect. That's that, that's fought out in my mind. You know, very much fought out. Wow, uh, I haven't seen that for a few years. I'm looking forward to rewatching that. Uh, but but you know, as far as those are, I, I love his more down to earth roles, like in An Autumn's Tale. And uh, you know, he's so charismatic when just being there when we are allowed to like take in his presence rather than trying to focus on a lot of action around him at the same time. And I love him in that movie. I love him in Ringo Lamb's Wild Search. Yeah, which... I was just about to mention, it's a good mix of his, his delicate and his kind of action side. Yeah, Very good and, mix. And obviously directed by Ringo Lamb was as great as being directed by John Woo. Uh, he really yeah, responded. Yeah, yeah. You know, they find a sort of a working, really great working relationship as well where his screen yeah. persona wasn't uh, odd in a sort of a gritty movie when when placed alongside his screen persona in a sort of wild and balletic action movie like The Killer or what have you. Uh, just directors that took really great advantage of uh, actors. And to, to be honest, speaking time a little bit of uh, Ringo Lamb, and th- this might be controversial, but I think he's one of the few directors that has uh, made uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme good as an actor on screen. Uh, especially now uh, with uh, in his later years, Replicant and In Hell, I think. In Hell, yeah, I was, about to say, I, was, I, was, I was thinking then which one it was. Yeah, In Hell, one of his best films, I'd say. And, uh, was, yeah, so. um, did they do uh, Maximum Maximum Risk? Yeah, so? that was uh, their first movie. That was, that, yeah. that was pretty crap, to be honest. But uh, you know, uh, when uh, Ringo Lamb returned to working in English language movies, uh, well after his sort of Hollywood debut, working in smaller. Uh, lower budgeted movies I think uh, I think Jean-Claude responded very well I think Replicant is great fun and In Hell is great gritty fun as well yeah In Hell is good I think I think Lamb did better with him than you know Choi Hawk did to oh, be yeah. honest with, with his films without a doubt I think they play more to Van Damme's strengths uh, yeah, Ringo Lamb's definitely. films and on Wild Search again, it's one of several collaborations Chai did with uh, his female co-star Sherry Chung, uh, perhaps the best uh, collaboration, and the lady had, he had best chemistry with on screen. They did Autumn's Tale, Once a Thief, Spiritual Love, and, uh, and this. Uh, um, and, and of course, the story of Vuvietta way, way back in the day. They, they, also, they encountered each other quite, quite a number of times in different vehicles, and uh, I... I'll, uh, I definitely miss her, uh, but uh, she, she has a great uh, filmography, uh, you know, the time she did stay in Hong Kong cinema, Sherry Chung. Uh, 
Yeah, just say as well. I think I think once Steve doesn't get enough love, because I think right. it's kind of um, undermined by the bigger films. Yeah. In uh, that collaboration, is it's a really great little film. I think it's after a, it's a Lunar New Year movie, I think. So yeah, why not just, have a light, uh, light John Woo movie? <laughs> yeah, I mean after after Bullet in the Head, it's a nice kind of antidote almost oh, yeah. <laughs> to the you know the stark kind of like you know rawness of that film but yeah, yeah it's 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 a, it's a beautiful little film really fun it's a great action in it as well yeah i think it's definitely worth the rewatch for people who you know haven't seen it enough times yeah, for, for me it was uh, uh jarring though because uh why well, watched it in uh, my very first movies were bull uh, hong kong movies were bullet in the head the killer once a thief and hard-boiled in that order mm. once a thief took some time getting used to but that was you know that's my hong kong cinema in you know viewing infancy if you will yeah uh, so i wasn't used to it i love it now absolutely adore it uh when when go to to america i i like the replacement killers uh, it was a competent the killer in america type of vehicle uh, but but after a few years thankfully chow and other actors and directors realized they could divide their time between east and west and uh, hence we got of course, Anna and the King, which I think is a terrific movie. I love Chiang Fat in Anna and the King. You know, that played to, to his strengths, you know, playing a very regal and suave, you know, uh, king. And speaking Thai and English, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I that... absolutely love that. If people have, you know, forgotten about Anna and the King, do yourself a favor. Do, rent that. It's a good little date movie as well. You know, uh, it's a, not just, you know, full of testosterone or what have you. It's a, you know, good, good movie for uh, the lads and the ladies. Yeah, if it was a slightly less uh, familiar story, I think that actually the film would have been like a big hit. But it's 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 that well known, you know, right. chiefly, chiefly through the you know the the musical film, you know the Yul Brynner. Mm-hmm. That you know if it wasn't quite so well known, that uh, that film I think would have done a lot better. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it didn't do as well as it deserved to really. It's yeah. really really good, yeah. good film. It's just people kind of i forgot the maybe that people kind of knew the story somewhat and mm-hmm. they wouldn't you know, didn't want to sort of i didn't see, personally see a though, so i i felt it was so fresh uh, though a different take on it mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I think it's the only the u.s child film as well that offers something different to is mm-hmm. is hong kong stuff mm-hmm. yeah yeah i always had a problem with uh, corrupter to be honest it was a good material but i think it was too much for chow at that time because i of course it's great difficulty learning a, a different language, but I think it was too word-heavy for his English skills yeah. at that time. He's great now. Very good now. Uh, I saw Shanghai recently with John Cusack movie, uh, Gong Lehan. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. uh, it was directed by a Swedish director. Uh, Mikkel Hofström did uh, Evil, the Swedish movie Evil, and also that uh, John Cusack horror movie set in the hotel. With the, uh, the, I did say. Uh, no, it was called uh, a number. I think uh, no? that uh, maybe uh, so Sam Jackson and Young Cusack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifteen thirty-six, fourteen thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah. I like Shanghai. It was solid, and uh, Ken Watanabe is in it as well, and uh, it was solid. And Chai Fat is really has really improved. Uh, you know, it obviously when you speak English very methodical. Uh, you know, you, you can get your words out uh, quite uh, naturally, but it's not like he is stalling on his every word it's yeah, not think, thinking about it when he yeah uh, but it, it, now he's more comfortable so i recommend w- watching shanghai it's a good little movie not uh you know a hidden gem as such but uh it's uh, i don't think it's been released widely to be honest i don't think it even had a, uh, a cinema release in america what have you uh, I, I saw a, a blu-ray rental over here and that, that's about it yeah I think, it, I think it kind of fell between the cracks somewhat when the when the weinsteins 
kind of uh, cut back on their kind of uh, you know their sort of Chinese uh, base. Mm-hmm. And I think they just kind of they kind of uh, cut it loose a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, yeah, it's yeah. a shame. It deserves a little bit more. So it, it, maybe there's a rental in the UK now. Uh, so uh, we, we, we can we uh, it, it is or, uh, or okay. I'm looking at Amazon now. There's a. It looks like an Australian import. So it's released on Region Two, but no UK release. Right. Okay. Uh, and and as a summary, you know, I, I'm sure Chow doesn't, you know, in his career now go for the crap as much as he did back then. But you, you know, uh, so, sorry. You know, I, I guess it hurts a bit to have Dragon Ball on your resume, and uh, I'm gonna <laughs> give it a go someday. But you know. Duds can tarnish a legendary reputation, which he does have. And, uh, you know, I, I like that he goes back and forth nowadays. And uh, just looking forward to the day when he speaks Cantonese in movies again, because it's mainland or English, yeah. it seems. Or ma- Mandarin yeah. or English, rather. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's in Shanghai, obviously. He speaks Mandarin and English. I think it's probably his last Cantonese language film is probably hard-boiled actually well i would say peace hotel to be honest yeah peace hotel was not oh yeah yeah sorry i didn't think of that uh not sync sound though which is a shame well we never i don't think we've seen many movies or even one movie in hong kong where chai pat was sync sound cantonese we we always knew his voice though we always dubbed himself though so we always knew his voice apart from this film though seventh curse the beginning is Absolute. sound, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're very right. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, okay, we're going to move on. Uh, this is a Chang Fat podcast all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on to another one. Uh, Chin Siu Ho. Uh, we've discussed Chin Siu Ho, me and David, in episode one. And we'll refer to that in the links section of this episode where that discussion is within episode one. So you could just uh, find the exact running time. But we didn't have Tom on for that episode. And I'd like to hear Tom's views on uh, Chin Siu Ho. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's not one of my all-time favourites, but I think he's he's a fairly you know charismatic fella. Um, I mostly know him from you know the Vampire series, you know with Lam Ching here, yeah, mainly Mr. Vampire, mm-hmm. where I think he he shines. Um, and he's obviously great in Fist of Legend as well. Um, sadly, I think some of his best scenes were only included in the uh, Taiwanese cut, um, where he has a number of interesting scenes where he goes. To, I think he goes to smoke opium in the yes. brothel and gets into a pretty tender scene with the, the woman he's fell in love with and mm-hmm. tell he's going to stop and stuff because he loves her, you know, which is uh, which is great. I think overall, actor probably haven't given enough time to and should seek out more of his work because I think he's always great in supporting roles. And uh, clearly, um, sort of a favourite of Nam Nai Choice as well because it's, yeah. it was not like he was, you know, forced to ha- have him in movies just because they were both at Shaw Brothers because this isn't Shaw Brothers for Seven Curse and they, he, he got him into uh, The Killer's Nocturne as well and uh, I, I, f- I have a feeling I'm forgetting another... Um, no, I think that was it. They did uh, they did Killer's Nocturne and that was the end of their collaborations. Uh, but uh, Killer's Nocturne is one of our next movies. It's a great uh, movie. It's the one where he fights a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're looking forward to that. But um, should we move on to uh, an- another big star? And of course, we're going to discuss, you know, a little and a lot about her because this is a crucial movie in her career. And it's Maggie Young. So go ahead, Tom. Um, just so I didn't know anything about this lady before I researched her. <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh, the beautiful and, and talented Maggie Chung Man Yuk, not to be cu- confused with Maggie Chung Ho Yi, the uh, TVB actress. Uh, was born on 20th September 1964 in Hong Kong, but spent most of her childhood years in the UK, where 
she and her family emigrated to when she was eight. After returning to Hong Kong at the tender age of 18 in 1982 for a vacation, Maggie landed not only modeling assignments, a job at high fashion retailers Lane Crawford, but the following year also spots in the Miss Hong Kong and Miss World beauty pageants where she was the first runner-up and semi-finalist respectively. In 1984, she bagged her first role in the Wong Jing penned Prince Charming and quickly made her presence felt with small roles alongside many of the greats in a short period of time, starring alongside Leslie Chung and Anita Moy in Behind the Yellow Line the same year. Uh, the following year, Jackie Chan and Bridget Lin in Police Story, with Chow Yun-Fat in 1986's Rose, and in 1988 started alongside Dago Dai, or Big Brother, Sammo Hung, in Paper Marriage. Uh, the same year she started what would become a long working career with director Wong Kar Wai, starring alongside Andy Lau and Jackie Chung in the director's first feature film as Tears Go By. Uh, the film arguably began what Maggie describes herself as her serious acting career, which in the following years would see her balance roles at home and abroad and gain international acclaim for films such as Stanley Kwan's Centre Stage, in which she portrayed the tragic silent film actress uh, Rianne Lingyu and her work with French director Olivier Assayas, whom she married and divorced in the space of three years, making the films Irma Vep and Clean, interestingly enough, the former before and the latter after their time together as a couple. Uh, after a string of Hong Kong award-winning hits in the past decade, such as In the Move for Love, Hero 2046, and a supposed left on the cutting room floor cameo in Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that so? Yep, yep. She, Do we she, know she that or is that a rumour? No, I think that that's pretty much yeah. I think Quentin's gonna fall himself, and she's gonna fall herself, and said yeah, she she was in a small role, but he got cut for pace. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I would yeah, love to see that, but it's not on the no, Blu-ray, so. Oh. No, 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 no. It's it's not. Um, me too. I would have seen that. Uh, but yeah, she uh, she shifted her focus away from film um, in the recent years to concentrate on philanthropy, uh, philanthropy making music, and being UNICEF's ambassador to China. Right on. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. She, she, yeah. she has nothing left to prove, you know. <laughs> no, no, she's a long and I mean, you know, amazing career. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just, I mean, just to slightly go into the award she's won. Uh, in terms of, you know, she's won the best actress award for Centre Stage from the Berlin International Film Festival, best actress award for actress award for Clean, uh, Cannes Film Festival. I mean, uh, you know, best actress of Hong Kong film award for a fishy story, oh, best actress of a... Hong Kong film award for Center Stage, for Comrades Almost a Love Story, The Soon Sisters in the Mood for Love. Um, yeah, I mean, she best actress, best actress for Comrades of Love Story from the Hong Kong Film Critics Society Award. Uh, same same film she won best actress for, at the Asian Pacific Film Festival. I mean, she won an award for achievement in acting from Hawaii International Film Festival. Wow. So, I mean, you know, yeah, everyone loves her, and the international acclaim she's gained uh, in the last few years is, is, you know, pretty, pretty tremendous. I think she's one of the few Hong Kong actresses or, you know, actors or actresses which has successfully made the jump and, and been praised for uh, her work internationally. I never had a need uh, apparently to um, uh, to go to go to Hollywood as such. You know, it, it sufficed uh, for her personally probably to to make uh, movies with her then husband and also ex husband at uh, one point. Yeah, Alma uh, Vep is obviously in uh, in English and French. She acts in English, which is no problem for her. She has a wonderful English accent. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It seems she almost fell into it rather than you know Jackie and Shao kind of you know set their sides for Hollywood and kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah, it would have been so fucking depressing terms. if they saw like heroic duo and like oh, we're gonna make an action movie. With her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, rather heroic three, upon me. It seems like she's made films kind of on her own terms. She hasn't gone over there to make kind of 
you know, the, the films she normally would make in Hong Kong. You know, she's made, she's gone over and she's done really kind of, you know, biographical, you know, biography dramas and, and stuff like that. So I think she's definitely made a name for herself kind of all, all over the world, not just, you know, as a, as a Hong Kong actress, but as an internationally acclaimed actress. She seems so full of integrity, too. I yeah. Mean, uh, yeah. And, and firmly in control of her, herself, as you alluded to. So, um, you know, um, no, no, not necessarily at this time, though, when Seventh Curse was made. It was a different Maggie Chung, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. She's a lot younger. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, what? I can't add much other than some, some favorite movies, um, obviously, that I like. Uh, I mean, uh, p- perhaps, you know, the greatest actress of her generation, really. And uh, here in Seventh Curse, she's still in her cute sort of flower vase face. Yeah. You know, being cast as a pretty face or... Uh, and she's more cute than uh, beautiful, in my opinion. You know, where when she grew a little bit older, she turned into more of a woman. She's more of a girl here, in my opinion. You know, as a yeah, girl. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, it, it's a face, including the Seventh Curse, that makes up an entire career. And, yeah, but she was uh, you only know, in her twenties when she was making the film. In Seventh Curse, she was only you know twenty, twenty-two, uh, twenty-one, twenty-two. She's definitely, you know, as she got older, she kind of, you know, grew into her looks in, during the nineties. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, part of you know uh, uh, elements that make up an entire career is uh, you know subtitles such as uh, being threatened to be spanked without pants in the seventh <laughs> curse. You know, that's part of her. You know, that made her career. You know, it's part of yeah. it. And uh, just, that, just that one thing. Kid. That's one thing, <laughs> and it might it might only be an English uh, translating thing. Uh, but uh, spanked without pants—that's what she's uh, threatened uh, by Chin Su Ho to uh, to be on the receiving end of. And uh, shame there was no scene such as that. But uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, she she clearly started to flourish with age, as we said, and uh, got to show you know grace on screen a few years later, and uh, you know uh, great beauty on screen in in the one movie you mentioned by Anthony Chan called A Fishy Story, which is uh, has a very you know classic Hollywood feel to it, and she, you know, she is so well costumed in that movie, uh, out of all you know. Out of all things, she plays sort of an aspiring actress, I think. She yeah. and it's a period piece, a forties period piece. She looks oh goddamn great, and Peter Powell shoots her as well. So you know, there's what 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 a dream for an actress to be looking so good yeah, on screen. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a really good film actually. That's, uh, I've I've yeah. got that one. Uh... Starring against uh, Kenny B, not me. Kenny B. Yeah. <laughs> I was only eleven <laughs> years old at uh, that time, <laughs> or ten years old at that time. <laughs> Uh, but 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 I watch everybody together. Fishy story. It's uh, you know both, both a little bit dark, but uh, you know a sweet classic in feel Hollywood type of romance. Uh, and uh, Anthony Chan um, was uh, he was in the band with Kenny B, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, he was in the winners. Yeah. Yeah. And also in the beginning of Mr. Vampire, uh, you can see Anthony Chan and starring in Mr. Vampire Saga Four. He stars in that alongside I, Uma. I was lucky enough to see a fishy story on the big screen. Oh really? In, uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, last time out, two, uh, a couple of years ago, as part but of it, some program. Yeah, it's uh, the Hong Kong Film Archives. It was kind of like um, you know, um, they're showing some you know the sort of uh, they had a retro kind of you know some classics, some you know some wow. you know some some really some seriously sort of 40s, 50s films, and then mm-hmm. some other films that had. That similar kind of style as well. Yeah. Oh, well, this certainly fits into that if they mm. had that kind of theme in the plane, plane in it. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's such a it's such a good film, but you know, it doesn't doesn't get spoken about an awful lot. I I, I agree. Uh, 
Maybe we'll try and do some retrospective on uh, some underrated films as well as part of uh, mm. the podcast of Vine Network. And a fish story, I think, uh, deserves to be lifted up. Uh, but she she had good attitude uh, towards the working as well. You know, it meant a variety of roles, uh, including in Stanley Kwan's center stage, obviously, uh, which uh, is overall a good film. The, the long version, or the full version, that's now released on Hong Kong DVD, it was... Uh, you know, famously cut to fit on Laserdisc, I believe. The, the longer version has, you know, the movie breaking the fourth wall, essentially being, you you see stage behind the scenes footage uh, oh. in the longer version. For instance, uh, in uh, her, uh, at, at the funeral, when uh, Ruan Ling, Ling Yu is dead, they, they stage footage like, oh, we can see Maggie breathing, you know, cut, take two. And I don't know what that was about, why Stanley Kwan did that. They have interviews with, you know, black and white interviews with the actors and then cuts into, you know, the the narrative. That works. But the footage that I'm talking about, that's just strange. Uh, Don't know what Stanley Kwan was on during uh, during those particular ideas. But uh, it's a good movie and... uh, um, uh, she, she, you know, she, she, she deserves all the accolades, and and then you know she could easily slip into Chu Yanping style madness in movies like Flying Dagger, where, <laughs> where she, <laughs> she, 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 she's like the husband of Jackie Chung. It's a wuxia movie, so and uh, Wong Jing scripted and all that. She, uh, she's called Cat, I think. She has a tail, and she acts like a cat in it as well. You know, this is, sw- uh, you know, classy Maggie Chung looks so beautiful, and she acts like a cat. <laughs> you know and, and and i like her for it you know it's not like she's above that kind of thing it, this is in 1993 uh, yeah after center stage after days of being wild as tears go by or what have you yeah. and you know watch flying dagger it's fucking hilarious and chu and ping taiwan's chu and ping you know uh, he, no one does madness better than him uh, so uh but uh, I admittedly, you know, I, I, I pick on Wong Kawai a whole lot and I do play up that fact a whole, uh, whole lot just for my own amusement. But I haven't seen a whole lot of her work with him. I've only seen it as tears go by. So, uh, you know, it's an OK triad movie. I, I, but that's all my that's all my memory from it. I, yeah, I, same, yeah. I, I always remember that I fucking was pissed off at the fact that he repeated uh, the Canto version of Take My Breath Away so many times. And oh, yeah. and it's not a one-off because he fucking does it in Chunking Express yeah. as well, you know. Can you fool your dream? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I promise <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll get off that now. <laughs> Coming soon, co- co- soon, Wong Kao gets uh, spoken badly about by Ken, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, no matter what, you know, what, your argument against him is as a director, or you can't argue the fact that I love Ashes of Time. By the way, I I I, yeah. should, I should say that I love Ashes of Time. Not seen in the mood for love or Days of Being Wild. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm, it, I'm really being kind of unfair. No matter what, you know, whether you get on with the content in the film or whether you don't, I mean, you can't deny the fact that they're beautiful films and he, he shoots it beautifully and that you know shoots Maggie Chung beautifully in them. Sure. And, you know, uh, uh, that's how I took them. I enjoyed them on that kind of you know aesthetic level rather than you know anything deep or got into them so i mean they'll always kind of remain a yeah good nice on you because some movies don't mean anything yeah <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but, but uh, did, did you guys see irma vep or Wep? Uh, never have no uh, it, it's, it's a good little movie uh, i like it as a uh, it clearly you know pokes fun at their pretentious french cinema which i like you know uh <laughs> So, so I mean, I, I, I guess there's uh, not much else to say. I think it's a good little satire, and um, uh, she's fun in it. Pardon me. 
It's a striking poster if you if you just Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she's obviously <laughs> in that there. They're remaking sort of an old French movie, and having her play uh, that uh, you know uh, character and uh, that famous character image within the movie. And uh, you know she's in that uh, costume uh, a whole lot, and she looks excellent and all of that. So, and I remember some scene where the, direc- the director in the movie speaks about. Oh, I saw her in some shitty Jackie Chan movie, and uh, <gasps> they, yeah. So, so I mean, the, the you know the, the narrative, the fictional narrative within that movie is sort of you know they're not talking about Maggie Cheung. It's like, oh, we're gonna bring in the greatest actress ever. She, they talk of her like, oh, she, I saw her in some action movie. Thought they look, thought she looked good. And uh, they have heroic trio playing in the TV in one scene, so it's um, so it's uh, it, it's good fun. I I, I do dig it. And um, uh, okay, final uh, final two actors here. We're gonna run through. Uh, they're also very crucial to this movie and very crucial to Hong Kong cinema. So let's move on to Dick Way, Tom. Dick Way, the another one I haven't heard of. Uh, the the premier bad guy to go to of eighties Hong Kong cinema. Um, he was born in southern Taiwan in the town of Pingdong. After studying martial arts in high school, he served as a captain in the Taiwanese army and was an instructor in unarmed combat, specifically Taekwondo. Uh, whilst in the army, he supposedly had unconfirmed roles in some low-budget Taiwanese productions. Um, and his first on-screen appearance is a possible brief fight scene with T-Dung uh, in the film Iron Chain Assassins from uh, 1974, which is possibly correct, as around this time, Chang Che signed him to uh, Shaw Brothers Studio after a successful screen test. At the time, Dick was operating a martial arts studio in Taipei and moved to Hong Kong in 1977 to work in small roles on the Brave Archer films, The Five Venoms, Crippled Avengers, and Kid with the Golden Arm. After switching sides to Golden Harvest Studios in the 80s, it's here where his filmography hits an exhaustive but phenomenal stride with a working relationship with Sammo Hung stretching across the decade with roles as either the main bad guy or supporting bad guy in uh, Hung Kambo's directorial or produced works, uh, Prodigal Son, Carry On, Pit Pocket, Winners of Sinners, Heart Dragon, Yes Madame, The Inez Express, Eastern Condors, I mean, the wow. list goes on. Absolute classics. Um, and his acting roles aside, Dick worked as an action director on Jet Li's early vehicle, Dragonfight, in 89, and got to direct, star, action choreograph, and on the latter right, Visa to Hell, in 1992. <laughs> and... <laughs> A Killing Border in 94. Uh, he continues to work at a blistering rate in the 90s with another 50 or so credits to his name, popping up in mostly low-budget Taiwanese productions, but notably the Police Story 3 spin-off Project S and the Category 3 outing Horrible High Heels oh, in by the way, oh, oh, by the way, i got to mention something about Horrible High Heels. <laughs> it has the fucking best uh, disarming uh, technique uh, mm-hmm. uh, by Dick Way of the... Uh, of uh, the murder at the end of the film. YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna put it up because it's a classic moment. I, I it might have nudity though, uh, that uh, moment. Uh. Uh, but but the uh, woman holds uh, someone uh, hostage. You know, uh, she has a gun to uh, uh, some other character or a knife to that character, and uh, Dick Way is uh, having uh, confronting her in the uh, hotel room. He has uh, other cops beside him, and what he does to sort of disarm her is say, "Look behind you." <laughs> And she does, and he takes away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you meant it was gonna be really good then, Ken. Oh god, absolutely oh, great. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, it would have been great if the moment was bigger than it was. You know, what the fuck is that? <laughs> 
But it's great. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look at it to see if it actually had nudity oh. or, or if the woman actually has the hostage in front of her or not. Uh, but it obviously is a movie with a lot of nudity otherwise. Uh, but yeah, it, it's great for that scene. Horrible high heels. A Chinese Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the uh, tagline on the Dutch VHS that Eastern Heroes released in uh, Evan Evidence. Uh, it, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, um, he moved back to uh, Taiwan in the noughties and continues to focus on local productions and maybe TV movies. That's where he's at at the moment. Yeah, who, who doesn't like and who isn't scared of Dick Way? Uh, you know, a powerful uh, guy, uh, definitely. Yeah. He's known to not uh, pull, uh, you know, pull back his kicks, hold back his kicks. I think he. There's a story of some Cynthia Rothrock movie. He actually dislocated her. Oh my, yeah, he shattered her like in the ear, working on some yeah. movie. Uh, might is he in Yes, Madam? He is. Yeah, he's in, yeah, he's in Yes, I'm sure he knocked out Michelle Yeoh's teeth as well. I've heard. <laughs> I need to. I need, <laughs> I'll need to do. Uh, I'll do a little bit of research quickly. Uh, but it's a beloved fan favorite for those very reasons that you have uh, talked about and uh, you yeah. know the filmography alone you know and uh, uh, you know he, he's a genuine character you know uh, he achieves a feel few villains do in movies and uh, but he could be very funny too and uh, you know the, the one movie that you gotta mention there for his mismatched uh, couples oh where, yeah, yeah where yeah he is the bad guy he's absolutely nuts absolutely nuts he, he wants to fight on him but he's never <laughs> you know a vicious bad guy there's even a moment in it where he kidnaps someone and then thinks to himself holy shit this is illegal i can't do this off you go <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a great movie uh, the the guys including me and uh, Stu and mike we did an audio commentary for mismatched couples on the podcast on fire network and um you should check that out and the movie very funny humor ping movie absolutely insane and uh, got uh, the best break dancing ever in movies, uh, I reckon. <laughs> we should have, you know, uh, considering uh, you know the physical capabilities of the ones that were involved. Uh, no break dancing for for Dick Way, though. I think. Yeah. I don't shame. Think, yeah, That's absolutely shame. shame. Uh, but uh, he's good fun, and he's in this movie as well, playing more of a um, in Seventh Curse, playing uh, more of a good guy. Yeah, nice change of base for him. Definitely. El- Elvis Choi, though, isn't. <laughs> He's the, <laughs> he's the evil sorcerer and clearly associated with playing brutes and baddies. This is Elvis, but he's a versatile actor, very much a versatile actor with a very distinct uh, presence and uh, and also a mean, you know, brutish look, brutal look. And he graduated with an arts degree in China and has uh, worked in photography and uh, dabbled in modeling, if you ha- if you will. And uh, he can be seen uh, at Shaw Brothers, as early as Shaw Brothers, in bit parts such as The Lady is the Boss. Uh, you don't immediately recognize him necessarily at that time, uh, even, you know, yeah, he didn't have a mustache or anything, but it doesn't, you know, when you see him, that is sort of pre-Elvis Choi, as we know and love him. But uh, he would, you know, uh, explode quite a bit in uh, onto screen distinctly in movies like Michael Mack's Long Arm of the Law Saga 2 which uh, is one of his first uh, major leading roles. He's part of the mainland uh, uh, robbers who are brought in to act as undercover agents for the police. Yep. And this is the first of many collaborations with the Mac brothers, the others being Johnny Mac. And, uh, but obviously cemented a large part of his reputation by appearing in Category 3 movies such as Sex and Sin, which we've covered on this week in Sleaze on the podcast on Fire Network, where you know he's an um, intimidating big force, literally, uh, Elvis Joy, uh, and by saying that, I mean he's got a big, big dong in that movie. Uh, Mom's not listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But it, it is one of the essential roles to see what Elvis is capable of because he's fucking brutal in that movie. He's an asshole too. He's a really, you know, a great big asshole. Big asshole. Big dog. Cheers, Ken. Yes. We, we are an explicit podcast, so fuck you guys. <laughs> but, you know, at least m- many people have seen a scene out of Chinese Torture Chamber story that includes Elvis. And it's uh, him... And his wife, played by Julie Lee, having kung fu sex in the forest. Kung fu flying sex in the forest. <laughs> and it's one of the greatest Dangerous. creative sin- uh, scenes in Hong Kong cinema history. D- different, you know, uh, flying sex stances. And that, that's where the subtitles come in. I don't have any quotes uh, now, but there is, you know, the different names of the stances that they employ are absolutely great. And it's a fucking amazing scene from Chinese Torture Chamber story, again produced by Wong Jing. And uh, it's, it's a classic all throughout, not just that scene. And last but not least, you, you can't forget one of the eternal images when it comes to Elvis Choi movies is him being turned into a dickhead by uh, a black magic magician in Cash Chin's Eternal Evil of Asia. <laughs> he, he, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's an asshole, Elvis Choi, and, you know, deserves that sort of fate. <laughs> And and he still has his fucking moustache. <laughs> and it's a great makeup job, to be honest. I think it's a great little makeup job that they did. And uh, <laughs> I think when he laughs, he actually pees out of his, obviously out of the top of his head. Oh, <laughs> it's great. Oh my god. Okay, focus. Hey, I said he's a versatile actor, and I mean it. He's great in um, Jacob Chung's Lover's Tear, where he. Uh, Lam Ching Ying and other action cast really get to stretch the acting muscles. It's an action drama, and Elvis plays the, this gangster boss, uh, who, who, along with Lam Ching Ying, really walks away with the biggest praise in terms of acting in the movie. And he also has a supporting role in Derek Yee's Full Throttle, alongside uh, Andy Lau and Chika Lok. And as a lead role in a wonderful category three comedy called You Poison Free, which is, is both hilarious, but it's also part parody of Stephen Chow's Forbidden City Cop, that movie. And I recommend it, it's a good fun. And personal favorite though of his, and I, I would very much agree, is um, being in, also in a supporting role, in Derek Yee's and Lord Chi Long's Viva Erotica, where he got to play a Category 3 actor. And uh, he earned, um, he got himself a Best Actor nomination at uh, some award show, probably Hong Kong Film Awards. And it's a very funny look at uh, the behind the scenes uh, workings of a Category 3 movie. Uh, starring Leslie Cheung and the uh, Shu Kei in a breakout performance. Uh, it's a wonderful movie. Uh, and uh, Elvis is very sweet too. Uh, he, uh, you know, he, he has a screen persona, obviously, uh, yeah. within the movie. And, and he's also a family man, which is great to see him being uh, warm, uh, which I really, really like. And one of his last movies to date is um, uh, uh, a thrill about prostitution called Magazine Gap Road uh, in 2007. I've not seen that. I know King Who did, and he, he wasn't really on board with the movie, but really liked Elvis's uh, role in it. You know, he, as he said when we spoke of Elvis during the Sex and Sand episode, uh, he's as good as ever. And I very much believe that, so I'll probably give that a go at some point. And uh, so, um, Sex and Sand, Chinese Torture Chamber Story, Eternal Evil of Asia, great trio of Category 3 movies if you want to see Elvis Choi, but also give Viva Erotica and Full Throttle a chance. Uh, he fits very well. Uh, it's 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 very natural for him to uh, dial it down a bit and just be 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 a natural uh, presence, just a guy. He doesn't need to be a big, you know, intimidating brute force in movies. There's a couple of smaller roles um, that I didn't realize was even him until I'd seen them a few times. 
He's got a uh, small role in City on Fire. What? He, yeah. yeah. It's a, <laughs> in the, the beginning, beginning. Yeah, yeah. Where the guy's stabbed to death in the in the market. The market yeah. scene at the beginning. That's him there. And then Getting stabbed the, or stabbing? Uh, stabbed. I think he does the stabbing. Oh. Well, is no, he's no, no, he, the victim. Oh, he's the undercover oh. cop. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. He's out. a guy who he's got kind of kind of almost shoulder length kind of dark hair at that point oh that's wow. why i didn't recognize him yeah <laughs> he, 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 you know unless you you get a few clear shots of his, you know, of his face you can tell it's him but i i didn't even notice the first few times that's and awesome. it's just, and he's got a real uh blinking blinking you miss it scene in the uh, uh classic lunar new year comedy um all's well ends well as well it's um it's it's like actually a, called out or did you add the s word no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no that was uh, that was my mistake it's, okay it's the original the first one in the uh, early 90s there's it's a scene the, where Chow, yeah? where Leslie Chung and Teresa Mo their characters are going they're uh, this college and they're going it's really bizarre they're going up in this lift and uh, it stops one floor he gets on and he's just up looking a bit like kind of prince charming era um, adamant. He's kind of just, he's <laughs> just up like this. Um, Theresa May pinches his ass. He turns around, sla slaps Leslie Chung. The lift doors open, and then he dives head first into a swimming pool. It's just wow. really odd. It's all over in about thirty oh. seconds, but it's it's proper funny. Apparently, uh, is in. Uh, although the role is not named, so I don't know if this is 100% correct, but he apparently is in uh, at least a smaller, maybe blinking and miss it role in Wilson Yip's uh, uh, remake of uh, Chinese Ghost Story from uh, last year. Oh. But I don't know if that's true, because again, there, there's no name attached to the role, so it might be a very small role that doesn't even get, uh, it, it may not even get a character name in that one. So, uh, so if you guys have seen a Chinese Ghost Story, uh, report back, uh, listeners, if uh, Elvis Choi is in that and recognizable still. Uh, but uh, that's the only uh, credit off the magazine gap road that uh, that I can see. So, uh, yeah, ho hopefully it's in a lot more. I mean, so, so sometimes during the, these newer movies uh, by younger directors, they cast, you know, old school faces. And uh, obviously Gallants is uh, one of the best uh, examples of that. Uh, r literally ca casting, you know, old school martial arts uh, actors uh, and... Uh, Utilizing them in uh, in a thought out uh, manner, and not just casting them in a depressing manner. So, uh, so hopefully we'll see more of Elvis, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Elvis. And after the break, because now we're at the movie discussion. Finally, after we after we uh, had discussions of some of the greatest stars of Hong Kong cinema, being in one of the greatest movie movies of Hong Kong cinema ever, and uh, the the movie that they should be. Uh, so should be quoted first when speaking about Chai and Fat and Maggie Chung and Elvis <laughs> or what have you. Uh, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen, but uh, I'm, I'll, I'll be campaigning for for the movie to uh, to be mentioned before be before show, in the mood for love. The seventh curse will be mentioned. <laughs> that's my campaign. So uh, more on that after the break, listeners.
Welcome back, and it's time to discuss the movie and our views of the seventh curse. And uh, first of all, a small plot modified uh, uh, from Wikipedia. They actually identified Shin Suho's character as a cop. Which is <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, in the jungle of Thailand, Dr. Yuan Shen, played by Shin Suho, attempts to rescue a beautiful girl, Choi Sao Lai, from being sacrificed to the worm tribe headed by Elvis Choi's uh, white faced sorcerer that she belongs to. As a result, the doctor is damned or cursed, rather, with seven blood curses, which burst through his leg periodically. When the seventh bursts, he will die. But Betsy, the young beauty that he saves, stops the curse with an antidote uh, that lasts only for one year. So, a year later, on the device, advice rather, of Wisely, played by Chai Fat, he heads back to Thailand to find a permanent cure. And action ensues as the Doctor and cohorts, including uh, Dick Way's character He Lung, which is sort of Betsy's uh, love, uh, they battle the evil sorcerer of the Worm Tribe, a hideous, bloodthirsty, baby-like creature, and old ancestor, a skeleton with glowing blue eyes. And Maggie Chung, in all of this, is a journalist that tags along for the ride. A bouncy, spunky journalist. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Uh, I really don't want more than like a sentence or two at this point about your thoughts on this particular movie because uh, it's a movie that you really should sum up quickly sometimes. So if we go in order first where before we go in, in deep. So David, really in short, yay or nay for Seven Curse, I guess. It's a yay. It's, um, it's a straight up, uncomplicated, fun time. And that's, uh, that's, that's, exac that's exactly all it needs all it's aiming to be and it delivers alrighty and what about you Tom? one of the most energetic uh, as Ken said um, Hong Kong films of all time and that's saying a lot for a Hong Kong film it's even more energetic than usual and my short quote is the seventh curse is art <laughs> okay yeah yeah okay yeah I got to curious now didn't I <laughs> <laughs> so what what strikes me first and foremost is how the movie feels like an upgrade in trains of thoughts coming from the artist that is Nam Nai Cho. I'm not being funny there because we we you know discovered that he had chops you know uh, watching his first uh, three movies at Shaw Brothers and the way this vision comes off isn't again akin to Wong Jing being uh, being you know the steering force you know this is a step up for Nam Nai Choi rather and you know he journeys into genre thinking that has you know it's spectacle this and i guess it has if it has anything to do with any, any movies we've covered i guess it's a uh, has to do with uh, a little bit something with men from the gutter you know uh because it, that's a an action spectacle at some points you know it's a, a energetic action but it's a vague comparison so uh, uh the difference between you know movies like one way only and brothers on the wall city is that the seventh curse isn't socially conscious at all? It isn't attempting to be a social commentary, obviously. Mm. So, it, it, but but having said that, comparison is not necessary. It's on you know, it's on its own little journey, and, and they they really wanted to deliver a genre mashup here, a smorgasbord of of the mashup we quoted earlier in, in the show, and we knew now Nitro could do energy, but this is new, this is new, and it's the perfect decade and time in Hong Kong cinema. To do all this as it's full was full of creative folks you know 
looking at a career like Jackie Chan's. He, for instance, wanted to go his way because he didn't like people uh, copying what he did. You know, he wanted to step it up, and and eventually, no one could really follow him. And yeah, you had gore in uh, Hong Kong horror movies, in sorcery movies, bloody sorcery, black sorcery, what have you. But Nam, Nai Choi, and Wong Jing, they really went to town with the Seven Curse, and it went its way went its way better, crazier route, and uh, way more energetic than any of the horror movies I quoted. And again, this is not to be laughed at; it's art. So uh, I'll stop right there, and uh, we'll uh, head over to uh, David for uh, to start uh, your notes on the film. Yeah, I mean it's it's um, not unlike any sort of number of other sort of Hong Kong films of that era, in that it mixes you know, multiple multiple genres but you know even what the 20 25 years later almost i think mm-hmm. um you know it's still... west anniversary dvd yeah, <laughs> yeah. criterion are you criterion. listening <laughs> it's uh, you know all, all those years later it's still got its own its own flavor its own uh, sense of style it's you know and definitely you know, not old feeling no you know? no it's no. still uh you know, it's still sort of, I mean, if it was more, you know, if it's still widely available, I mean, there are versions available, but it's not necessarily that easy to to get, uh, you know, at the moment. And, you know, it's still, it's still got its own, its own, you know, its own sense of, its own sense of style and its own sort of, uh, its own characteristics, mm-hmm. you know, despite, you know, you know, being not unlike some other films, it's it stands out. It's still, you know, still, uh, you know, very recognisable as it's uh, as like a, you know, a singular thing almost. It's its mm. own. We'll uh, we'll we'll certainly talk um, special effects and elements and all of that. But uh, we move on to to you, Tom, and some of your initial uh, more extensive notes of the film. What do you want to lead with? Um, yeah, I, mean, I think it, it's very different to, to most Hong Kong films of the time. I think that's that's definitely uh, Nam Nai Choi's influence, you know, through his directing. I mean, uh, you know, the closest thing I can even liken it to is, is, is something like The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. I mean, the gore wow. in it, the gore in it, you know, it, it feels like, you know, obviously it's not copying it, but it feels along those lines. It's very kind of... It's not just gore for the sake of gore. It's more kind of like exciting gore, gore that kind of you know pops out of the screen at you and kind of surprises you and, and excites you. Gore, man, Physical gore, you know. Kind of, yeah, it's it, great you that you quote it. the thing in that regard because the thing is famous for that's all physical and some yeah. uh, some stop motion animation, but uh, they fucking did that shit. Yeah, I mean it's 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 it's, it's as exciting as you know a fight scene from the time, or you know this film has uh, you know, fights as well. But I mean I think the gore it, it just it has that kind of kinetic energy to to it, same as same as the thing, and it kind of scares you sometimes, kind of disgusts you at times, and it, you know just makes you think it, it's, it's just kick ass at times. And I, I think it's definitely got an energy to it. It's not just kind of long drawn out kind of disgusting gore. It's an energy, and it, it works just tremendously well. I think it's definitely the highlight of the film in my mind is, yeah. is the core and I uh, can, can fairly agree and uh, if we move on to a little bit um, some specifics at the beginning of the movie and we should state that Nam Nai Cho didn't actually shoot this movie perhaps being cinematographer as well was too much on this particular special effects occasion because yeah. I, I think he oversaw 
quite a bit of that. You don't leave that up to only the special effects artists and the action director. And I think Nam Night Joy really, uh, you know, he's, he's hovering over this movie, if you will. I think he was definitely on the set while, you know, the cinematographer was doing his thing. Yeah. That. I think he was definitely under his influence as well. Yeah. And um, it, it doesn't make for, you know, a difference, like a down step from Shaw Brothers, because everything compared to Shaw Brothers is, is a little bit lesser. Uh, Shaw Brothers being, you know, a great big studio with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, budget behind them. Uh, mm. This is, uh, this is uh, not a studio movie as uh, such as Paragon Films, though. So, uh, I mean, that, that's big enough. But uh, uh, so Wong Jing wanted to make this kind of an occasion too but nothing true too much but uh but you wonder if like they they come to came to an agreement like okay do uh, i, I want to do the gore movie but i but i want to have some, some some cameos by friends and uh, women i like we I, I like women and uh hence the cameos at the beginning of the film really i mean uh all of a sudden you know Derek key pops up and there's uh oh there's carol hoy and uh oh there's another one oh look at that that's Cho oh that's Wong Jing himself oh johnny wang is in it as well and and, yeah, <laughs> you know, a, a sort of comfort uh, presences, but also kind of for Nam Night Choi as well, who's worked with uh, Johnny Wang on Brothers on the Wall City. And, um, yeah. But, but you're really, I think uh, it's, it's not cameos for the, sake, for the sake of, like, to be disgusting or cool or anything. It's, uh, you know, it's fun. Oh, look at that. There's Kara Hoy and there's out. She's out. Derek Yee gets shot in the head and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, I think uh, Wong Yu, uh, not uh, Wang Yu, Jim Wang Yu, but Wong Yu, the Shaw Brothers actor, is uh, apparently plays an STU uh, member as well. I missed him, but he's listed here anyway. And uh, it's all uh, good fun to, to watch uh, those kind of cameras. It feels like a Lunar New Year kind of a thing where everybody's yeah, in for yeah, a tiny, yeah. tiny bit. It's a who's who, I mean, of, HR, of, of HK Cinema at the time. I mean, aside from the main cast, as you said, you know, Subel Hu, Karata Yasuaki. That's when I saw Johnny yeah, Wang. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Derek E was just starting to make waves as director. I think this was the same year as his first film, I think. Yeah, um, a year or two after, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, this is why I love this period of cinema above any other country's output from, you know, any era because the actors and actresses had such a strong worth ethic. They, they, they didn't mind appearing in even the tiniest of roles and were always willing and able and, and never up their own arse, you know, never too big for films. It's always... Uh, you know, you know, you know if I can it, look at Anita Moy in Scared yeah. Stiff, do you remember a role in Scared Stiff? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Not, not a big role, gets Small kind role. of viciously uh, killed. I think Yoon Wah kills her in that movie. And um, yeah. and uh, yeah. that's all fun. We we joked about it on the commentaries. Like uh, she he's coming in, uh, having done uh, two free cameos already. Got a concert that night, so it's very you know. Where <laughs> should I stand? Uh, what should I do? Uh, we're gonna kill you. All right, righty. How you doing? Yeah. How you guys doing? Okay, we're gonna roll out. Okay, kill me. Yeah. And uh, okay, guys, see you. Good luck with the movie. I'm gonna have a concert tonight. Great. We'll see you. <laughs> it, it feels like a very friendly. Uh, it felt yeah. like a very friendly decade. Everybody was uh, there for everybody, kind of. Just a pleasure to see everyone kind of, you know, pop up. It's, you know, it's exciting. I think within the first half hour, we get, you know, half a dozen, you know, at that point, you're pretty famous Hong Kong stars just in tiny roles, you know, in this film. And it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to see. If there's any criticism, though, uh, and there's very few, is that it's, it's, it feels a bit slow despite the SDU opening. But, you know, it does give way to a movie that you don't expect before. And because, as you guys said, this isn't you know the tenth movie of its kind from that year uh and uh you know it, it gives way to the great big special effects gore curse spectacle and i absolutely love love that uh that uh, it's not very expected uh, and and still 25 years later it, it definitely doesn't 
you know, they haven't made many, many movies like this since, which is great to have, you know, what a confirmation for a movie that is still, you know, stands on its own and all of that. So. Mm. Uh, but uh, right, uh, right about the Dick Way's first scene, uh, we get some uh, of the st- start of the special effects uh, spectacle. And uh, by the way, D- Dick Way is a fucking cock blocker in that scene. <laughs> you know, Chinsey Ho is about to get it on, and then Dick Way comes. You know, you know, a blood cost. That's a serious. Okay, fine. And then ten seconds later, he starts kissing the woman again. <laughs> Go to the toilet. I'm about to get lights so... <laughs> on. Yeah, get out of here. Get out of here. Don't cock block, cock block me. Uh, but but then the Hong Kong special effects crew gets to practice. Uh, inflating, uh, you know, uh, legs, uh, creating pulsating things uh-huh. that are rigged to burst. I mean, that shit's pretty easy, you know, you uh, compressed air, what have you. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, the you know the knee bursts and the thing that bursts oh, in his legs. I think audiences today even could be pretty, ooh. Yeah, it was. I mean, even something as simple as, you know, his leg popping like a zit at the beginning. It's just both, it's <laughs> nauseating. Even underneath, uh, even underneath the pants, though, uh, yeah, that yeah. Still, still looks great. It's, it's ferociously disgusting, but amazing at the same time and kick ass. It's just, oh, yeah, it's, it, ooh. You know, Ooh. physical effects rocks any time of the day, you know. Yeah, uh, definitely, man. It just, it, yeah, it's just, it's such, so refreshing to kind of watch something like this when you've, mm-hmm. you know, if you've watched something, you know, CGI blood, it's just nice to kind of put this on and have a look and, yeah, just the, the effects and the amount of work that, that's put into, you know, but just a simple shot like that with the veins pulsating and, uh. oh, there must be so much, you know, work, but it, it pays off because it is, it's just, oh, it's it, it, it surprises you when, <laughs> when it pops. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't expect that out of the movie. It has not the signal that, which I like. Uh, but but it doesn't feel like one of those, uh, um, you know, too many movies in one type of Hong Kong movie. Uh, it it uh, it uh, surprises you in a good way, rather than uh, okay, um, SDU movie, horror movie. I can expect that, but uh, you know, you can't expect this. And uh, genre entertainment. Uh, what 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 wonderful genre entertainment that is also about showcasing flesh. I'm talking uh, shameless nudity, and what an interest for uh, our yeah. other leading lady, Shui Saulai. And uh, do, do you remember, David? Um, we're going to put you on a spot here. We uh, or sort of quiz you, Robert. Uh, we talked about the UK VHS being cut. Uh, do uh, do you remember offhand what was cut from uh, from the UK VHS in regards to our other leading lady? Um. I'm not sure. I always thought it was more as some of the gore that was cut. Yeah, well, when she cuts out the thing out of her breast, you know, the uh, the, uh, the the antidote that she gives to Chin Su Ho, the way I'm she assume, cuts out. I'm assuming it's that because I think it's any anything any violence is slightly sexual. The BBFC is just on it like a rash. Yeah, so yeah, but, yeah. And, so and that was that, that. that was basically the only cut from the movie. And but she is a gamer, man. This actress, yeah. you know, she... makes what an ent- entrance out of the water wearing white. Why she's wearing white? Why not? <laughs> I mean, Ken, just a question for you. I mean, was it common to have this much, you know, forefront or nudity at this point in, in Hong Kong cinema? Because it seems almost groundbreaking to kind of have. Uh, yeah, it happened. Loose. I mean, uh, Shaw, Shaw Brothers did it back in the days. I mean, it's not, it wasn't uncommon, and there were still erotic movies being made every now and again, even pre the category 3 rating even appearing. So I, I, I didn't see it as. Uh, 
as a sort of a the moment that changed you know that defined a generation <laughs> uh, but, but uh, i i like uh, the way it's a shameless uh, shameless fun you know why you know she, she, she's a good looking woman absolutely gorgeous looking and uh, she has a great body and all that why not showcase it that way i don't think it's an exploitation as, as such and uh, uh, in my opinion, anyway, I'm I'm, uh, I'm not saying it's the opinion, and uh, I'm sure you. Well, I mean, you know, there are women all... out there who disagrees, but you know, it, it does the job. And I was stunned to silence when I first saw that scene. Like, whoa, man! It's, ta- it's tastefully shot. It's not. Do you know what I mean? It's not kind of exploitational. It's definitely tastefully shot. Yeah, and uh, and Chin Su Ho reacts like uh, we all should. <laughs> you know, stunned to silence. I love it when she sees him uh, at the end of the binoculars backwards, and it's just the zoom up of his face. Yeah. <laughs> she gets hit or smashed the binoculars. Tom Cruise would never do a shot like that, you know, oh, because it's oh. not very flattering. <laughs> oh, Chinsuo doesn't care. Yeah. I, I, but, but I like it, but uh, m- moving on to an element, um, n- now we're going to do some uh, you know, elements throughout the film that are great. And um, I want to hear your thoughts on uh, when this moment happens because it still is a bit of an eyebrow racer this moment for me and it's the baby monster reveal so what do you think david when that happens that uh when the white saucer all of a sudden reveals that he has that flying baby worm monster monster underneath his uh cloak or what have you so uh, so how do you know what what does it do for for you as a movie watch is that like oh my god this is fucking kicking ass now <laughs> it adds, I sort of it's um it's it's a you know it's a great sort of moment in a film that's got a film that's full of great moments you know it's just there's just there's so many so many just sort of uh, you, ne- you never saw this in any any other Hong Kong movie aside no you know, no then. it's just sort of it's yeah there is that is one of the features of, of the film maybe it's one of the things that gives it sort of its uh, uh, you know it still holds up now is that. Mm-hmm. The kind it's of oh my these, god, where that yeah, where that came from moments. <laughs> yeah, there's all these sort of moments that, you know, you really just don't have not seen in any other, uh, you know, films of that era or, or of any era really. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of, you know, it's got just like these one-off sort of crazy sort of moments. When it, mm-hmm. And it, you know, it, it's full of them. It's got so many. Yeah, I, I like actually. Uh, I I hope somehow that the reference. Um, that this moment is uh, designed a baby worm monster and the way it's revealed uh, that someone saw david cronenberg's the brood and took it from there um i don't know if you guys have seen the brood but uh, there's a fantastic reveal at the very end uh, of the film where essentially this kind of happens it's a lot more horrific uh, kind of body horror moment uh, i like cronenberg but but i'm hoping it kind of connects to the brood if it doesn't i definitely do and then uh, someone saw this. Paul Verhoeven saw this, and then made Total Recall. <laughs> you know the uh, you know the character I'm talking with the, the baby. I don't remember it actually. Do oh, tell what's me? his name? Yeah. Oh, do you know David? Oh, oh. I fucking remember now. Was it yeah. fucking Michael? Is it Michael Ironside? Has Michael? To... No, no, no. It's not. Oh, it's um. Isn't it uh, Marshall? But yeah, George, uh, doesn't matter. But yeah, it seems like um, they visually they look, they look very similar. Mm-hmm. But uh, regardless, here's where you got to talk a little bit seriously about um, putting together a special effects sequence because 
what, what impresses me, I'm gonna ask you what you think of it as well, if you have any notes on it. The, this first heavy special effects sequence with the baby, because it, uh, you know, obviously ejects from Elvis Choi and then attacks the guy, and there's Go, and he, the, there's a puppet that he, uh, gets his uh, head ripped off, obviously, and the, the worm, worm baby sucks on the, the spine, and there's gore all over the place. And the rapid nature is really cool, the way they put this together, because you, you partly have the actor who's the victim in the, in, in the movie as a character operating in the puppet, the baby puppet. And, but, but then you have like stuff like gore set off by the bite, you know, the, the neck bite. That stuff, not easy. You have an alien-like chest burst in this same sequence. That's not easy. And, you know, it, it's very involved, the kind of different elements that the special effects crew need to execute and and it's all you know it's a it's a it's not reeking of bad cheese this even though it's very rub rubbery you know what i mean i actually think it's absolutely great and obviously filmmaking like edit uh, filmmaking tricks like editing must play uh, a part of this but knowing filmmaking can, can be so slow and methodical especially involving effects i'm so fucking impressed the way it comes off on screen i mean the sound uh Elvis Choi's little bald-headed alien friend makes uh, is is horrendous. It sounds like an asthmatic baby's cry recorded on a warped cassette. It sounds like it's, it's recorded on cassette. The cassette was then left out in the sun for a week and then played back through Borat's cassette player. <laughs> it's horrendous. I remember the first time I heard it, I was, I was freaked out. It's horrible, but amazing. It's like a... yeah. Oh, man, it's horrible. An amazing entrance, though, for the character. Ah, but the, oh, it's Kato, 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 Total Recall. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I obviously do, I, I do like behind the scenes stuff and uh, do, do think of like, what does it take to execute this and how long does it take to execute such an insane sequence? Because you don't do that automatically, especially this movie here, which is so unique. I think it it's definitely still impressive. Uh, you know, the only cheesy factor is that, uh, you know, is the fact that it's a flying baby worm monster. It's a very odd thing. And uh, not particularly scary, but, you know, kick ass when it starts to wreak havoc. Wreak hell. Like it does. <laughs> you know, that little thing. But uh, the, the even more silly effect, but still kick ass effect, is of course Chin Su Ho versus the, the reanimated glowing ice skeleton, which is. Old Ancestor, the character of Old Ancestor. I love the scene. And, and it's a very bare and silly creation, and possibly the scene that pos- uh, could take viewers out of the movie because Chin Su Ho is asked to. <laughs> no, not me either. Chin Su Ho is asked to operate the puppet. But you know, guys, what I think is the moment where, if the viewers were taken out, the, movie, uh, the time when they, they are taken in again is when the puppet does a fighting stance. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, you know, it's almost akin to fucking Team America and the marionette puppets when when it the puppets do fighting stances. Can how many how many weird things is Chin Su Ho squared up against? We got the and, and the next movie was a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I mean, he's on a roll here with the uh, the weird opponents. Uh, I mean. What do you think? I mean, the, the, you, you you can't be having anything but fun watching this stuff. I mean, it, I, I don't, 
I mean, th th there's different viewers who like different genres, but this is so infectious, don't you think, guys? I mean, uh, the, the, I the amount of energy and fun on screen. I love it. I mean, I love Jason and the Argonauts. I love Army of Darkness, and it just it feels like a kind of, you know, just a continuation of that, really. You know, with the, with the skeletons. It, I love it. I, I don't find it silly at all. I think it's very, you know, creative, and it also took ages, you know, ages to film, I think, good on them, because it, it's, it's interesting. As opposed to a guy in a suit, it, it looks, you know, interesting to watch. Yeah, it's so, it's so, it's so bare that creation yeah, that the skeleton. Yeah. It's a very light, but I, I love that they make it powerful because they fucking headbutts him. And Empty, he just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When he gets the the knife in his teeth. He just like grabs it out of his hand with his teeth. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, it's. Uh, it's stuff you can laugh at, but surely you know filmmakers are saying you know laugh, laugh with us because we like you too. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what do you think of the sequence, David? Uh, the, it, it's pretty famous uh, too. Yeah, I mean, it's one of them things. I mean, uh, technically, you know, there, there's there will there have been there are better things before that and there are better things after that. Mm -hmm. But what why it works? I think it's because you know you know you see the. You see it there initially, and then uh, you just follow through with the action and with the the different elements that are in that scene. They just, you know, you don't, you know, you're not standing, you know, you're not watching it, thinking, oh, you know, it's just sort of, a, you know, like a little, uh, you know, a little skeleton just just hanging around, not doing very much. Mm. You know, it appears, and then you know, it goes absolutely bonkers. You know, <laughs> it, it's you know, fighting and biting and everything. Yeah, there you go, the action directing team. Uh, well, rather, uh, only one is the credit for the action, and that's uh, Yun Bun, who was on Men from the Gutter. That, that's him working together with the special effects artists to create this workable, fun hole. And I mean, maybe it was kind of boring to shoot, but but I'm hoping, uh, you know, the concept when presented, you know, uh, to them. Because I, I think this required planning, though. You can't fucking, uh, you know improvise this you know oh look what i found a skeleton we can make this work i think they need to pre-plan this stuff and i mean i i hope in the back of the minds they were having silly fun uh the crew and the cast obviously yeah i mean you can tell you can get away with you know like a like a smaller budget thing you know if you if you've got a, like a real sort of conviction with what you're doing with it and you know you just you know, you make it like, re you know, like they do here, they make it like really like relentless mm -hmm. and just, you know, just, you know, fast paced. Yeah. You know, you know, people can, you know, can forgive a sort of, you know, technical deficiencies because you're, there's plenty of that's happening on screen. So, you mm. know, you're not, you're not, you're not sitting there thinking, oh, you know, it's, doesn't yeah. look so great, or this, this, that, or the other. No, it's no, no. Just, I, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's balanced it's in uh, it's balanced intentions. You know, mm. I, I think that they were getting what they were aiming for. To be honest, it's not like ah, uh, if we could have had a million more, we could have made this uh, this skeleton a bit more heavy and a bit more lifelike. But uh, we, we, they, they gave us what we got, and we had to work with that. I don't think that was it. Uh, I think uh, very much they 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 got the, what they were aiming for. It feels mm. like it anyway. And uh, and even if that sequence, as you said, compared to other ones, uh, does appear a little less technically, uh, you know, uh, good, uh, still uh, still great fun. And uh, you know, it's nothing yeah, wrong exactly. with uh, glowing yeah. eyes either. You know, no, the, no, the, no, no. the cherry on top is the glowing eyes. <laughs> Uh, and, and I mean, the, the, the gore hound or, uh, goes off in me when watching this, you know, stuff. Your head's ripped off, spine sucked and chewed on, and uh, you know, I couldn't be happier. And in more. Sh secure hands. Yeah, that's, my joy and yeah. 
that, that kind of stuff's not something you necessarily need any kind of a, a budget for. It's just, you know, it's, it's creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know you can do a lot with that. You know, you, you can make you can make a smaller budget go a long way if you you mm-hmm. know if you're uh, if you're really, truly uh, creative with it. Do, do you guys at all, in general though, uh, uh, notice you know logical flaws in story and continuity errors and stuff like that? In uh, you know, regardless of movies, are, are you receptive to that? Because I'm sure there's. Tons of stuff in the seventh code that doesn't make a lick of sense, but uh, you th- th- there's a reason we don't haven't discussed a lot of the story as such because it's it's a it's a logical enough ride to me. So, so yeah. how are you in general, David, in terms of uh, spotting that stuff? And can are, are you a forgiving uh, viewer? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty forgiving with, with things like that. I mean, here it's you know it's it's the essence of the story is uh, it's an action adventure. You, you know, you got it's you know, liberally spiced up with, you know, with, uh, you know, plenty of uh, sex and violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that, that's, you know, it's, that's, you know, comparatively straightforward kind of action-adventure story, um, actually, it, it makes it just suited uh, probably better than uh, better than many other uh, films. Mm-hmm. You know, it, work, it works as an introduction, you know, to people, to maybe the, the wilder side of of Hong Kong cinema because it has a certain, you know, familiarity with that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of style of story that, you mm. know, the, you know, like we, we said earlier, that Indiana Jones style, that kind of action adventure thing. Yeah. You, know, you can put lots of different other bits, you know, in, you know, in and in and around that story. And, but, and it still know, feels coherent. Yeah. I, I'm just yeah, saying that. It works, so, yeah. so sometimes when I read reviews of movies I've seen and liked, and people are saying that didn't make a lick of sense, and then when I think about the movie. I still think it does, and uh, or, or I can't even understand what they're saying. So I, I, my radar is totally, you know, bad for that stuff. But th- then again, uh, it's not bad to be a forgiving viewer. Or what do you say, Tom? Yeah, I think I think um, I think depending on how good a director you are, and you know what you're bringing to the table, and how much you're entertaining me, I, I can see past small flaws. If you're making a fucking really boring film where there's nothing entertaining whatsoever there's nothing bringing it to life and of course i'm going to see you know the continuity flaws that you're making but if you've got all this other stuff going on as in this film and there's so much going on and so much happening that you kind of just look past that because you're watching it for something else you know you're watching it for the entertainment value it's bringing you're not watching it for a solid story mm-hmm. you know what i mean and a lot of Hong Kong cinemas like that so i think as you watch enough of it i think you start to kind of you know build up a kind of immunity to, to continuity flaws and being bothered by them having said that uh, one movie that we will cover in this series uh, uh, story of ricky by nan yeah. Choi. that that's a movie where i noticed uh, a few things that were kind of odd yeah because it's got slow patches yeah there's a scene where fan su wong is uh, after hours you're uh, walking around in the rain in the courtyard and uh, and um, they're carrying away a corpse of his friend or anything you're thinking to yourself why is he not in, why is he not in his cell <laughs> But but I don't care really, you know. It's yeah. it, I noticed it. I moved on. Uh, I'm also hoping that in the way that uh, I'm hoping that they watched the brood. I'm also hoping that someone uh, picked up on the fact that um, Italian filmmaker Lucio Fulci was uh, uh, doing really great, fantastic, gory sequences in his movies. And um, may, maybe it's 
the most true in uh, the scene with another Kenny B, Ken Boyle, when he has <laughs> slime poured all over him, and uh, that is sort of a sort of a cursed slime, if you will, because all of a sudden he starts to tear his face off, and maggots comes out of his uh, out of under his skin, and he rips his stomach open, and there's maggots all all over the place, and it's. If anything, that's the most disgusting scene in the movie, and I absolutely adore it because Lucio <laughs> Fulci was, if anything, uh, if you could liken go and splatter to porn, that was, you know, that was what that he was, was doing. That was all money in... shots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're beyond the zombie flesh eaters and City of the Living Dead, you know. And, and I'm hoping someone on the pro- production had, had picked up on the fact that uh, Lucio Fulci movies are crazy, man. Can we do something akin to that? Well, well, well this scene, if anything, is uh, matching that fairly nicely. Yeah, but... there's that a, a similar kind of uh, sense of like abandon. It's just like it's just like a like a wild a wildness, and it just you know this. And, and kind of what is going to happen? He pulls yeah, slime all yeah. over him. Okay, so what? And then it just hits him yeah, like a ton but... of bricks, man. Yeah. Uh, what a concussion! I mean, is that in any way something you get squeamish, squeamish towards, or you, you just have fun with even a, a massive, kind of massive effect uh, like that? Oh yeah, I don't, um, you know, from uh, from when I was a a kid uh, when I was a teenager those were some of the films that I was watching uh, you know uh, you know the R- Romero and uh, Fulci and all that kind of stuff so yeah I um you know I'm totally on board with that kind of thing you know that's that's not that's not that's not anything that's uh you know disturbing or, or uh, no, uh, unpleasant I, I, to me at all yeah I just howl with laughter myself yeah uh, and it's not a nervous yeah. reaction I just fucking love it uh you know I couldn't be happier and uh and, it's like uh, the scene in Poltergeist. It reminds me of that. I think that was one that I was scared of when I was little. Yeah. With the face peeling, <laughs> it's very much like that. There's a movie called Possessed, uh, made by David Lyon, Hong Kong, that copied that sequence exactly. Uh, mm. Which is great. And I didn't know that when I saw it. I hadn't seen Poltergeist. And when I saw Poltergeist, <laughs> fucking hell, they... Oh, by the way, the Hong Kong movie was after they ripped off Toby Hooper. Okay, fine enough. But it was good fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, but... Uh, you know, if anything is expected, by the way, within this sequence where Ken Boyle dies, is uh, the appearance of maggots, because maggots and creepy crawlers are a staple of uh, Hong Kong movies, though, <laughs> as we discussed. It. Uh, and, uh, you know, another another highlight, that he, of course, that you can't mention is that old ancestor of a reanimated skeleton turns into, like, a big-ass monster bat kind of uh, creature. <laughs> You know? And it's a nice transformation that, uh, and a surprising one that is done in bits and pieces. You know, with his uh, fingernails growing and the uh, the uh, monster face, you know, coming out of uh, be- being extended, kind of. And it's all also he's born rather, you know, that big ass monster body. And it's all rubber and shit, but you know, it's such good fun and shot kind of clever. You know, it looks like they are they know what they're doing because. Because effects you can't do in like a big old master shot, obviously you need to do them in bits and pieces. Yeah, uh, so especially that tra- transformation. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely, you know, f- flawless stuff to me uh, because it's still uh, it's still fun. But you know, we we we're gonna mention some some elements and um, very minor notes for me anyway about the actors and the actual fight action and sort of gunplay, which is there. There's little of it and it. In my opinion, it's certainly fairly well done. Uh, there's fight yeah. scenes with Chin Su Ho and Dick Wei, but 
not in my opinion done with as much heart uh, and uh, intent to dazzle they were focusing on the gore yeah in, in my opinion okay yeah I'd and, agree, mate. but having said that there's insane stunts in this movie i want to see if you notice one thing because i this is what disturbed me uh, there's a scene where Dr. Yuan crashes his car into the village of um, Elvis Choi's white sorcerer henchmen and they are all getting in the way and getting hit by the car. And yeah, there is a fucking stuntman who runs in front of the car and just gets hit straight on in yep. that mess, you know, that whole mess. And it it looks so scary, man. It looks so scary. And he's not, he's cr- a little bit crouched down. So the grill of the of the, oh. the front of the car hits him <laughs> and he flies a little bit as well yep. and i rewound it to see if okay did they insert the puppet there no way that's a puppet <laughs> it looks like one because he gets hit so viciously you know i think sammo in pantyhose hero the way he uh fli- flaps about like a ragdoll classic yeah uh, it's not nice it did, did did you guys spot that moment at all i did um, yeah I have to go back and have a look at that. Yeah, look, that, that, that's a pretty scary, man. You might not notice it as first, so look at the sequence uh, one or two times. I, I, I'd never seen it before. I've never noticed it uh, other than this viewing. Because there's so much going on. There. There's so many stuntmen in the way of the car and they're jumping uh, ahead of it and uh, away from it and all of that. But, uh, you know, it's one of those can't fake uh, moments. Just do it moments, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, one of, the, uh, one of the most mind-boggling scenes is when... Uh camps the tent sets on fire from the flaming arrows um and it's only a short scene but it must have been such a bitch to coordinate uh make sure everyone was okay because everyone in there is getting set on fire um <laughs> and and there's just random flames flicking up all over the place and even uh chin Ho gets a small flame on his chest and you could tell that wasn't scripted because you get the small flame just flicks up in him and he kind of turns around and brushes it off and you can tell that that must have been an absolute mess to, to, to film wow. but impressive the flames are so close to all the actors as well, and, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's all the real actors. That. You can't fake that. No, you can't fake it. And you can tell that parts of the script, because he's literally in the flames at, at points. Man, must have been high in there. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm getting to my sort of uh, uh, summary of the film, but uh, we will be going through you know, some highlights and additional notes. But uh, despite this not being blessed with you know Shaw Brothers uh, you know style production values uh, you know it's 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 incredibly well mounted effects wise uh, the actors are on board with it I mean Chai Fat is so much he's enjoying his pipe in this movie yeah. Chai Fat <laughs> he's chewing on that like a motherfucker <laughs> he's not letting that go uh, actors like to play with props and uh, Chai Fat clearly like to play with props in this movie uh, including a rocket launcher at the end of the film and you know, yeah. it's so yeah. typical Chai <laughs> Fat needs to upstage everyone by bringing yeah. in the bazooka <laughs> you know what a what a turd <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding it's awesome of course but you know yeah, not to spoil anything but that shot is amazing i love it yeah. Absolutely. And it's a reason everyone him. remembers it though you know yeah. Ch- chain fat and rocket launcher but you know the fucking poster has chain fat with the pipe i, I, I think it was done with so much humor and uh you know <laughs> featuring chain fat and the pipe he was a burned out cop with a pipe <laughs> <laughs> And uh, but, but I absolutely love it, you know. And, and uh, it's, there's no shame uh, um, in making an adventure film akin to Indiana Jones. But I'm I'm glad they made it with the added horror and gore elements. Uh, 
uh, there's even a boulder types uh, running away from a bo- uh, huge yeah, rock, ro- ro- say, rock type uh, yeah. scene in this. Uh, it's a Buddha head, away- isn't it? Yeah, it's a Buddha head, yeah. Yeah, the whole scene with the fight on top of the giant Buddha was, was awesome, uh, really creative. I like the fact they had to kind of fight their way to the top, and when the head comes rumbling down, it was just it was really cool. Yeah, really it's cool. a Shaolin or Buddhist monks uh, protecting the head there, which was yeah. a good little scene, actually. Uh, very busy. It's the best action scene that you've yeah. done. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd uh, agree. Choreographs. Uh, but, you know, it all is capped off with me left smiling, being giddy. My mouth is open. My uh, eyebrows are continu- you know, continually raised through throughout this movie. I absolutely adore it still. I can't get enough of it. And it's a, it's a, such an easy watch, too, because it's so short. It's below 80 minutes. And, yeah. But... Uh, 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 they cram so much into this so so before we go into some fun highlights and stuff i want to hear your sort of final tallies if you've uh, written any final tallies on the film so what about you david yeah i mean it's it's what i mean it had a uk vhs release it's never had a dvd which is you know it's a shame you know disappointing yeah I mean, it was a shame like like some hawk on ledgers never got this because i think story of ricky actually sold well when it was yeah released. yeah yeah i mean it's um it was yeah, this has from the star of Hero and uh, Dragon Ball comes. <laughs> they got. Um, I mean, it it was cut slightly. You know, it was like we spoke earlier. It was cut slightly on on VHS, but and particularly at that time, uh, you know, the B, uh, British Border Film Classification was particularly sensitive to any you know any kind of uh, linking of you know sex and, and violence, but. Yeah. They're slightly more realistic now. It's a it's a different set of people. I mean, but, I mean, know, fucking have BBFC have le- have uh, released Cannibal Holocaust almost uncut nowadays. Yeah. Uh, all almost all bits of the animal cruelty, the actual animal cruelty, has passed the BBFC. Yeah, they're, they're, that's they're, amazing. They're definitely more yeah. um, realistic. They don't. It's not just you know they see you know it's. They take it in in context. They put it in the context of the film, and I think in, in this case, if, if it was presented again, I'm pretty sure that it would get through, you know, uh, you know, uncut. I think. Yeah, now. yeah. And it's, know, such, it, it's such a minor sequence that's cut. Mm. Though. The rest of the gore is, as far as I remember, intact. You know, the the you know the slime sequence with Ken Boyle. I'm sure yeah. it's intact still on that tape. Yeah, I, I think mean, the uh, sorry, David. No, no. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's just you know, same. No one's picked it up. I mean. For me, it's um, it's remains a really vivid uh, reminder of uh, you know, or vivid example even of the sort of early earlier days of my Hong Kong film fandom, and you know, I I you know, I always remember it. I, I, rem- I remember it for that. It, you know, it, it's one of those films that takes me back. I, I remember when I first saw it, mm. and uh, you know, and uh, you know, it's, it's it's still a really good watch. It's just you know. Um, Would you invite over your uh, mates to watch this? Or are they re- are they receptive to this kind of madness? You think? Um, no. Funny enough, you talked about I talked about it being a sort of a film that you could use as an introduction. I kind of I kind of bypassed this. I, I Here's Sex and Sin instead. <laughs> I, I, I went with uh, Ebola Syndrome and Untold right Story on. instead. Oh man, uh, but, which is probably a bit of a yeah, it's, hard, it's harsher stuff, but uh, okay, yeah. Ebola syndrome is funny as hell. But uh, you know, if it, 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 it's one of the foulest movies uh, Hong Kong cinema has ever produced, uh, <laughs> Ebola syndrome, yeah. I literally mean it. Uh, it's a foul, yeah. foul. If Smellovision would have been invented for, uh, for a movie, it would have been that movie. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it's really one of those films that takes me back to those first few years when I was really sort of getting into uh, into Hong Kong film and it's right. sort of uh, yeah I've got, I got you know it, I've got really fond memories of it and I think it still it still really works yeah right on uh, I, I, I like that memory it uh, warms my heart you know to, that uh, uh, that story actually uh, it's not uh, because sometimes your initial memories you've grown you, you, you've seen so many movies of of uh, a similar kind that the initial memory is sort of faded but this still as we've said all throughout the reviews and you guys said it, it's it's not similar to 20 other movies and uh and it's still true to this day that uh, that it's uh it's very unique and uh very very much its own and you know all due to Wong Jing and Nam Nai Choi and all that uh but yeah what about you Tom uh, what's your final tally summary of the film I think I think it was a it was a film that I initially bought on the strength of Chow Yun Fat and kind of sat there and watched and go, it's not like Chow Yun Fat in. It's only it? five minutes and, you know, turned it off and didn't return to really? it for a while. Yeah, didn't didn't return to it for a while because I just thought, you know, who's he? And then as you start to watch things like, you know, Mr. Vampire and you start to kind of, you know, get acquainted with the cast and I got returned to it and loved it and it's definitely in the same vein as you said as like Evil Dead 2 and, and films like that, just crazy kinetic kind of, funny violence um mm. and then i watched it again with stew's commentary and then you know loved it even more and then watching it again for the show i think it's uh overall i think it, it to this point it's it's nam Choi's most entertaining film mm-hmm. um and one of his most entertaining overall i think his previous two films were technically better made um on a technical level but i think this is if you just want to be entertained for the length of the film um this is the one for you because there's not in my opinion there's always something interesting going on in oh yeah things. hell there's yes interesting going on that's a way, good way to put it uh we uh i, I have a few notes left so, so some random notes that will uh that, that'll run through uh firelights and stuff and uh notes in general so uh, as uh one of you uh, alluded to earlier in the show, I think it was you, Tom. Uh, our author, Nai Fong, of, uh, our author of uh, Creator of um, Wisely, appears at the beginning of the film uh, in sync sound, whereas yeah. the rest of the movie is dubbed. And this has always been curious because I've heard, on at least one, I've heard a story that if Nai Fong cameoed, he sort of did it in sync sound and the rest of the movie wasn't. And I might have been remembering this wrong, and there's only this example, but clearly in the cat, he's in the cat as well, uh, uh, later on in the field, playing uh, the master of the uh, dog that uh, fights the uh, space cat. <laughs> yes, I said that. Um, not a real cat-dog fight, I should state. It's a wonderful special effects sequence in the cat, but regardless, that sound, while dubbed, sounds very live. Which sounds like yeah, they yeah. recorded him on set and they dubbed it in as good as they could. So I, I don't know if it was a sort of a requirement of his. Uh, but uh, uh, regardless, li- li- it seems like literally all except Chai Fat and Chin Si Ho literally play themselves in this opening sequence. As Chow is uh, greeted as uh, wisely and Nai Fong seems to be, you know, Nai Fong t- telling this story. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a fun little uh, start. And uh, an excuse, I guess, to get the famous author in the movie. Because it's not a needed sequence as such, uh, either at the start of the film or the end of the film. But, uh, you know, whatever. It's over quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't mention Maggie at all, and I don't have any, much notes on her. Other than she's not as annoying as the female ditzy sidekick role could have been 
you yeah, know. And, yeah, and she, yeah. she's kind of fun. She gets to shoot guns, and she clearly can't take care of herself uh, for a bit. And where she isn't scared by blood and carnage, this uh, character. And, uh, uh, and again, she's uh, threatened without, uh, with a spanking without pants if she doesn't behave, because she, she is annoying to Chin Su Ho, who thinks, you know, go home, I don't want you here. <laughs> So uh, that's <laughs> uh, what a what a wonderful subtitle. And this, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's not a sign of a great actress, though, when you are asked to uh, emote uh, by pouting. You know, yeah, it's that's girlish behavior. No, 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 you know, uh, uh, that uh, that doesn't really work. But whatever, it's 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 good, it's good fun and. Uh, while not sign of a majestic movie star, she she became one. And I heard yep. from somewhere, I think Bay Logan said it's something that she at one point fixed her teeth, Maggie Chung, and uh, and uh, and, and called rabbit teeth, wasn't she? Yeah, Sam, yeah. Sam calls a rabbit teeth in uh, uh, Paper Marriage. Oh, really? Okay, so <laughs> maybe after Paper Marriage, then because yeah, uh, yeah she grew older, matured, but it seems like you know that that, that was a conscious decision uh, to to sort of. Uh, to, to go with her development, her desired development, and uh, and therefore needed to have a teeth fixed. But I haven't studied it as such. Uh, uh, the only thing I noticed, you know, old Maggie, uh, old Maggie Chung versus new Maggie Chung, if you will, is that she's more girlish, more cute, more flower based role ish in Police Story and what have you. And uh, but when you watch her like later in the same series, Police Story Three, there's yeah, a different Maggie it's, Chung. Uh, it's massive leap, yeah. Uh, so that's good fun. And uh, on Chai, in fact, you know. It's not a lot in this movie. It's a supporting character, obviously, with uh, the bazooka and the uh, pipe. But what I admire about Chow, to extend up, extend the note I made on him be, having good working attitude, is that the fact that he went into the dubbing sessions and did the dubbing himself, even for the shittiest movies. He did, <laughs> and there's even an example of a like a movie he did in Thailand, early '80s, that was re-released in Hong Kong as Goodbye, My Friend. Got a new Cantonese track. It never apparently got the Cantonese track. Chow, in fact, dubbed that. Wow. In, in 87, you know, what a guy. Wow. What a guy. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty shit film, but uh, good, <laughs> uh, good hair. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, another note is uh, uh, I swear on that they always have one guy dubbing Chinese speaking Westerners. In Hong Kong cinema, uh, in the case of this, is Ken Boyle's character speaks Cantonese, and it seems like they always have one guy, and it seems like he speaks a bit more slower for some yep. reason. Uh, I don't know; it, it almost sounds like the same guy, and uh, I don't know. It's, it's amusing in its own way. Maybe he's only uh, ever got to play one kind of part in Hong Kong cinema. And that's that's that. It's a good uh, part. <laughs> it is a good part. Well, Technically, the movie also plays with uh, composite shots uh, quite uh, successfully. The the uh, the uh, the evil sky and clouds above the tribe's lair, let's say, is getting sucked into yeah. the lair. That's rather good. Yeah, that's that. rather yeah. impressive. Yeah. And and uh, you know th- that beats CGI a lot of the time. It looks oh, a bit more natural yeah. when you composite stuff. I think actually. Yeah, I agree. Um. On Valère and therefore, you know, the sorcerer, Elvis Choi, it's fun hearing him dubbed with a high pitch to his voice because normally he's the brute force and that means he's, you know, the, the voice is akin to that. But it's fun hearing him dubbed with a high pitch uh, and not really recognizable. I think a lot of people may miss that that's Elvis Choi, obviously sans moustache, but that's, that you might miss that that's Elvis. Actually, when we were speaking about it, like an episode or two ago, 
Yeah, I was like reminded. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, he, yeah, he is in it. <laughs> so there you go. So it can be a bit of a chameleon too, mm. uh, which is cool. And uh, uh, I doubt it's his voice either way, even when he's uh, you know the brute force in movies. Uh, I can't, I kind of doubt it for some reason. I might be wrong uh, that he dubbed himself, but regardless. Uh, and again, I mentioned the, the, the fighting stance that the animated skeleton uh, takes. It reminds me of Team America, the fight scene in Paris that opens the film. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> puppets having fighting stance. It's not the best thing in the world. Uh, uh, the better fight is in Seven Curse. Uh, Team America designed their fight to be you know, marionette pup- puppets who can't do much with them. Uh, so <laughs> it's more of a build up that fight than when they, when they, when they clash. It's, uh, it's kind of uh, perfectly silly. Uh, another memorable uh, eyebrow raising moment the tree trap that uh, tears a guy apart <laughs> you remember that tra- trap in the jungle one guy gets caught in it and just gets torn apart in like five pieces and uh, <laughs> it, it, it's an example of one of those like fast moments in Nam Choi films you know boom 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 Whoa. Yep. Uh, the baby is crushed to death to uh, produce oh, uh, blood God. for old Ooh. ancestors <laughs> Yeah. Uh, obviously not done for real, but uh, uh, it's almost like a factory-like fashion. They produce blood and put them into this, uh, I don't know, this crushing uh, concoction that they <laughs> yeah. come up with. Uh, good fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and finally, so in these movies where you have spells and curses and shit, the solutions to you know battle them, they are fun. And what they do with the Maggie Jung's black spell is they put her in uh, boiling blood. And I was like that with these kind of movies. It's a very creative ways to come up with, uh, you know, uh, mix this and this and this and, and, and put them into this and then you, uh, you know, the spell is lifted. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I find that funny. It's a, it's a genre staple, kind of. Yeah. So that, that, that rounds up my, my notes and highlights. So do you have any additional stuff you want to mention, Tom? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's so fast-paced even for a Hong Kong film. I mean, after the first action scene, we're already, you know, ready to set on the main adventure within... 15 minutes um you know as you said the film itself is just over one hour and 15 minutes and it, it runs at a blistering pace and you know as i said there's there's not one scene where something interesting isn't happening mm-hmm. um throughout uh, for me it, it's great to have dick ways about as, as a good guy uh it's a massive change of pace in comparison to his usual role at the time and yeah, he has I a romance th- too you know yeah <laughs> it's, it, it's strong i mean it, it's it's so different see but he, he I think he could have been, you know, a, a more of a leading star. I think if he if he'd given the chance to be, because I think in this film he's definitely got a presence and he's definitely got the kind of the softer side to him, as you said, with the the love story. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's 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 good in that way that you get a, a rare chance to see him play um, the good guy. Uh, I love the the sets in the film. We're all done, you know, expertly. The caves, the temples, the rundown houses yeah. really gives you like you know an Indiana Jones feel to it. Uh, you know, as we've said, like real kind of adventure kind of feel to it they've all got their own different atmosphere as well um which is really cool and just some small notes about 40 minutes in maggie chung holding the laser sighted 45 from the terminator is what my dreams are made of (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) just to let everyone know um and near the end of the film, I'm pretty sure Chin Su Ho has loaded his shotgun with fizzy lifting drink, as the stuntmen just fly when they get clear <laughs> when they get clipped. Um, <laughs> and I was wondering why Dick Way was not Cassus Hawkeye in the upcoming Avengers film, because he's lethal with that bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> See him now in the purple and the blue. Scissor kicking the shit out of scrolls. Um, and if you, if you listen out there, I think Warner Brothers are doing it. 
you need to cast him <laughs> in the film. He's getting on, but he's getting on now. But I think he could. He's still able pull some punches. Um, yeah, and that's it. Like, the shit out of people easily. I guess, yeah, so. <laughs> it's easy. But yeah, I think uh, that's all we know, Ken. Right on. Yeah. My final tally here, because uh, we were at the end of the show, but uh, we, um, I'm going to mention a little bit, uh, the film has um, some alternate footage in different versions of the film. Uh, I don't know if they are Taiwan mainland versions and stuff, or uh, if it's just a case of you know, the Hong Kong print got cut up and altered for a variety of reasons in cinema and home video and all of that. So I mainly copy and paste this from another source because I, it's pretty hard to keep track of, so I'm going to do my best to to explain this to you and uh, it, minor spoilers uh, in terms of the ending though so if you don't want to know anything about the the ending we, we kept it pretty vague and uh, during the discussion uh, in my opinion we've not uh, provided a huge spoilers and such uh, even the famous uh, bazooka moment is kind of kept vague kind of uh, but anyway the film has at least three different endings in every one of its uh, releases in the original theatrical release, after the monster-killing climax, there's a, another by-the-pool-party scene, the same pool as seen in the beginning of the film, but it's uh, supposed to be another party, in which uh, Maggie Chung's character kind of makes up with uh, Dr. Yun, uh, Chin Se-ho's character. Then we cut to the original party scene that starts off the movie with uh, Dr. Yun wisely and uh, Ai Hong, as the character apparently is called, uh, the Ni Kuang uh, Ni Kuang cameo, the real author of uh, Wisely and creator of Wisely, and uh, the beautiful girls, Nina Lee. They cut back to that scene, and as the author finishing finishes telling the movie's story to the girls, one of them asks if he has another adventure story to tell, and the author replies, well, we have to see what exciting adventures Dr. Yoon and Wisely are going to have. That's a pretty, you know, a pretty cool cap to a movie, but uh, it's not in the movie as uh, such on the Universe Hong Kong DVD. I, I should say that I don't know how the Joy Sales DVD, that's uh, kind of hard to get as well, uh, actually is uh, constructed. But regardless, uh, after that dialogue, the two main characters, Chang Fat and Chin Su Ho, come into frame, toast and finish their drink. Freeze frame, music and credits. So, and, and this is partially in the movie uh, now, I'm going to explain. In the first video release available in Hong Kong during the late 80s, early 90s, the last two scenes that we just um, uh, referenced were completely cut out. So was the very last close-up of uh, Betsy, the native girl, and her scarred, fa scarred face and all of that. Instead, it was replaced by a two-shot of her and her lover, that is that is He Lung. And I don't know how the Universe DVD was, if that was a two-shot or not, but uh, regardless. And the credits roll over this uh, freeze frame of uh, the two in two shots and also in that video release the the native girls nude scenes let's see were partly censored they were had uh, black uh, there was black stripes all over the screen i have screen i have screen caps of this on my facebook wall i'm gonna post that uh, they didn't blur it out it's just two black screens over her breast and her and her nether regions uh, really intrusive. I've never seen it. Uh, wow. Blacked out to make the film more family-oriented. Well, good fucking luck. Are <laughs> <laughs> so you going to trim about half an hour from it, aren't you? Jesus. <laughs> um, in the DVD edition, perhaps this is more uh, a reference of a Universe DVD, which was uh, out longer than the Joy Sales DVD. Um, the second last scene in the original theatrical release is cut out, the party scene. While... Um, the final scene, the toasting, and is retained, but 
it has end credits rolling over it and you have no dialogue about uh, well we'll see what happens next time it's just replaced with music and the credits you know you see chin Ch 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 and shari fat toasting and freeze frame uh, one would suspect the reason for the last two scenes for party and this uh, this uh, the big party scene and the little party scene was cut out it was due to the fact that they dragged a little bit so someone someone wanted movie to end more snappy but as the information says here though story-wise it's not a bad attempt uh, to cap the movie that way because they mirror the beginning of the movie and, and i agree i would, I would like i would like to see you know well we'll see what happens next time credits <laughs> you know because it's a fast hong kong movie ending uh, yeah. so i know some of this is actually on a german dvd release uh, at least a, po a pool party scene but I don't know if the German DVD is English-friendly or not. It might not even be Chinese. It might be only dubbed in German. So the, the footage is out there to some degree. So um, I'm going to look into see if the Seven Curse DVD in German is, uh, is English-friendly in any way or not. Or, or it's good to pick up just to see, that, uh, see the footage. I don't know. But uh, that, that's a Hong Kong movie for you sometimes. It's hard to keep track of different versions, uh, even for this movie but uh I, i'm satisfied with what i've got it's not like i'm missing something uh um knowing about this you can imagine what the scene would be like though you know what i mean so it's not a legendary it's not a bruce lee saw in the head type of legendary footage that we need to find uh, far from it uh but that's it this was pretty much a riot like i expected it's a riot it's a riot of a movie and i had a great time uh discussing this extensively guys so We'll uh, check in uh, again with the contact information and then, then sign off. So you've been listening to the third episode of the Director Series on the Podcast on Fire Network. We're located at podcastonfire.com. Our message forum is at the very site, podcastonfire.com forward slash forum, where you'll also find the members-only archive of uh, cut conversations and in the future bonus episodes from our various shows on the network. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash POF network. You're also welcome to join our discussion group. Just search Podcast on Fire Network and we are we should pop up uh, fairly, uh, fairly, uh, fairly easily and all that. We're also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Podcast on Fire. My writing and video reviewing uh, goes on at sogoodreviews.com, sleazykvideo.com and I also do the various uh, chats about the movies I, I like and all that on twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Listen to us via Stitcher on your smartphone and on your computer, stitcher.com. And uh, you can mention Hong Kong Gig Guide as well, David, again. Yeah, just uh, go on Facebook, uh, search Hong Kong Gig Guide. First thing that pops up, uh, that's me. Continually updated with good stuff, fun stuff. Yep. And uh, Tom, you have a review archive on where? Yep thecinemashow.com uh, just search uh, Tom Kent Williams uh, and you'll find all my reviews listed there and if you want to start your 7th Curse uh, experience on the Podcast on Fire network uh, or or continue it you can do so via the uh, commentary on fire that Stu and the bear pack as he calls them did <laughs> on the 7th Curse so um, we'll link to that and uh, I hope you have a good time with that and I hope you had a good time with uh, with us in our smoking jackets and drinking brandy and being all scholarly <laughs> and, uh, and uh, being all movie professors on you which is kind of not true because uh, at the, at the one point I mentioned uh, Big Dong, uh. and then I did it again. <laughs> Oops. It's a kind of a Tourette's, you know, a Category 3 Tourette's. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but anyway, this has been a blast, guys. Next time around, I've not decided yet that we're gonna do a double bill or not, because the next two movies in line are The Ghost Snatchers and uh, Killer's Nocturne. But uh, we might try the double bill format, because then when we get to Her Vengeance, I we have two versions of the movie to examine. So I'd like that to be its own episode. So next time we're gonna aim for uh, the good old double bill, and the double bill is always fun. So uh, look forward to the Ghost Snatchers, which is, in my opinion, good fun. Look forward to Killer's Nocturne, which is uh, crazy violent and has a fight with a kangaroo. Shinsu Ho versus a kangaroo. Uh, his last movie for, uh, for Nam Night Choice. So t tune in uh, to hear if we think it's uh, their best collaboration or not. So this is us. I've been your host, Ken Brosan, and with me was David Harris. Say goodbye, buddy. Bye. And Tom Kent Williams. Bye, everyone. See you next time.